here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts... Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. <laughs> Give me a name. I like him. Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. I like in, him. in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I am Rich Craig, alongside, as always, the King of Banter and a very good family man, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, I brought the King of Banter back. What'd you think about that? That's fine. I'll allow it. It's been a while since we've done the King of Banter, and you know we're uh, been having some discussions with some people about some potential uh, uh, maybe T-shirts. And again, people are oh yeah, yeah, I don't know, I don't know if we are officially or definitely going to do it, but at least talking to some people. Uh, and one thing that came up, and one request was a, a King of Banter shirt. People want the King of Banter shirt, Joe. So um, oh, it's back how- in the headspace, the King of Banter shirt. So how can you blame them? Yeah. The problem is, though, if they wear it, and people might get confused that they are the King of Banter, but then there'll have to be something on the shirt that indicates that, you know, you're just a fan of the King of Banter. You know what I mean? Because you walk around with a shirt saying King of Banter, you're essentially, you know, in some ways declaring yourself the King of Banter, and that we know uh, that throne is unquestioned, who who the, you know, real king uh, of the banter is, and it's it's 2016 Joe or whatever. I forget what year we really did the King of Banter thing as much, but... It, 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 I mean, it could say king of banter but then like in parentheses it could say but i'm just one of those dopes or something like right, that right i'm the one yeah so something to, to indicate that you are not indeed the king of banter because I, I don't want people confused i don't want you know replica kings running around because that'll just be confusing for for, for folks so because if somebody sees a king of banter they might think oh that's joe lanza and it's like, no, no no would you would you wear i guess that's the big question would you wear a king of banter shirt if it got created not a chance Okay, I didn't think so. Yeah, you wouldn't wear it proudly. You wouldn't wear it like you. You'd probably wear it under like a hoodie, right? Like you'd have it on, but you'd have something on over it. Maybe your Mac Weldon uh, zip up sweater that you got many, many years ago. I don't wear that thing anymore. Jeez, it was years ago. I need it. It's cold as hell. Fucking cold as shit in Chicago. Send it to me, please. I, uh, you know, you can't. I mean, you know, who am I, Dean Ambrose, wandering out on Raw? I can't. You can't (laughs) wear your own T-shirt. What is this? You know, that's like it's. That's a pretty arrogant move, you know, like it is. And that's why I was curious because I would not. I would just have the like the idea that somebody because the, the problem is, is like I maybe wouldn't be self-conscious, but I would be conscious that like somebody is like, look at this fucking asshole wearing his own T-shirt or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't care and I'd probably be all right with it. But I know that people would be judging me and that then sort of hurts. You know, it makes me feel kind of weird, too, because there's definitely someone that's like, look at the get, get a load of this asshole, like makes his own fucking shirt and then wears it like Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, you know, when when random people um they'll come up to us at shows to ask if 
you know, I'm sure you get this too. Uh, are you Joel Lanza? And uh, instead of just saying, yes, I am and offering a firm handshake, I could just, I don't get, yeah, if I'm Joel Lanza though. That's kind of weird. I can just point to the shirt. I say, I am yeah. indeed the king of banter. That's right. It might be easier. It might actually lessen the amount of, I actually enjoy all the conversations. Do you enjoy when people come up to you and say stuff and, and yeah, I love and talking to people. I, yeah. I'll, I'll stand there all night and talk to them, watch wrestling. I don't give a shit. Okay, I'm, I'm the same way. The, the best is, I don't know if you've had this, and I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but I'll go to shows and I'm like talking to somebody and then I just get a guy who just, does, or you know, somebody just turns around and looks at me and goes, oh my God, you're rich from the voices of wrestling. And I ne- that, I'll never get over how weird that is. It's like, I don't mind that they do it because I enjoy it and they're always like great conversations with, with people. And, and the other thing that we always talk about too is they're like, I'm always like, oh, who are you on Twitter? And they're like, I'm not on Twitter. I'm like, oh yeah, right. Like I forget that the scope, and we've talked about many times as well, like the scope, we think, Twitter is our listener audience. And it's not. There's a lot of people that listen that aren't on Twitter or yeah, I have a Twitter account, but I haven't used it in years or whatever. I listen, you know, via the, the yada 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 or whatever. But the idea that like they'll 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 kind of turn around and snap back, like just the idea that like you hear my voice in public and you're like, ah, I know who that is. That's like because I would never have the confidence to actually think it is the person that I think it is. Like I would maybe hear a voice that I recognize, think I yeah, I I talked about I was on a plane with like my what I thought was my quackenbush, but it's absolutely not my quackenbush, but like you know, the idea of like I, I wouldn't be able to be like, oh my God, are you blank from blank? And then then be like, what, who? And I'm like, oh God, like, you, you know, and then you have to sit next to them like the rest of the show or you're like, you have to see them ever again. Like that would just horrify me. So this is, this is Rich's, Rich's not, you know, not adventures in awkwardness is, is so far what this podcast has been. But uh, yeah, I like to avoid I, I, that. It happens all the time. You're right. Where, where else I'll, I instantly I'll ask what's your Twitter handle. And a lot of the time they're like, oh, I'm not on it or, I'm just a, a a blank profile. I never interact, or I haven't logged on in, in three years. Like it it it, 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 it does take me aback the same way it does you, because we really do extrapolate. Uh, you know the scope of of tw- it, it's it's you know the listening audience is 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 well beyond just um, the people who interact with us on Twitter, um, and it, but it is always surprising to find that out. But but I don't know. I I, I thought it was. It was I or leans or whatever. People will just at least they're hearing your voice, which is a pretty distinctive voice. Meither is walking up to me and and answering, which is very weird. I have pictures flowing. I have no idea how these people figure it out. I get, you know, who looks like an extra from The Sopranos standing in the back of the room. (laughs) Um. So I guess maybe they use process of elimination and figure it out. But um, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, it's fine. You know, I, 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 it's all good. We're just watching wrestling matches. We're not, you know, um, doing super important. It's not like, a, you know, the old thing where a lot of people don't want to be bothered when they're eating a meal, you know? Um, that. I don't even think I'd mind that. What do I care? No, I don't care. Yeah, I mean, we're we're not at a point where like I mind, you know, people being like I, I still enjoy people coming up and doing stuff. I don't think we'll ever get to the point where I get like annoyed about people coming up and saying stuff to me. But uh, I hope so. I hope because that means I probably make a lot of money if that is that this is the case. So I hope one day I get to the point where I'm annoyed that you come up to me. But right now I am not at all. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to you know New York this uh, this. I uh, was coming rainy a weekend. I uh, mean, some people I've never met before too. Cause like I've met all the Chicago area people. Now they know me. I walk in, they, they, I shake hands. I'm like running for office. You know, I, I got to do the rounds to everybody. It'd be nice to kind of meet some new folks too. Some people from all across the, uh, the, the world 
uh, this many a weekend, but uh, pretty excited about that. But no, we got a ton to get to today. It is a nuts week. It started off earlier in the week as like, ah, what are we really going to kind of talk about? There's not a whole lot of stuff. I thought Sumo Hall, like the Big Japan Sumo Hall show we were going to lead off the show with. But man, it got crazy in the wrestling world uh, over the last week. We, of course, have a lot of stuff uh, in WWE. We have uh, Becky Lynch. We got the Becky Ronda angle. We have Survivor Series. We got Daniel Bryan's heel turn. Daniel Bryan wins the title. We have previews of Survivor Series and TakeOver. We, of course, will get to the Big Japan Sumo Hall. Do not worry about that. Uh, also, some bouncing around the indies as well. I went to uh, some shows uh, over the last week, and Joe, you've watched some shows as well from the independent scene. But um, before we get all that, let's. Uh, do I start with WWE? Uh, I think that's kind of the best way to start this week. And I don't. I didn't want to start this week with WWE, but there's just been so much and such big news stories uh, that I feel like we kind of have to. So I, I, I think the best part, the the best way to start, I think more than anything, is I, I think the whole. The Becky Lynch situation, the injury, the change at Survivor Series, all that sort of stuff. So, uh, obviously, I don't think we need to speak to anybody listening to this. Probably has seen, obviously, Monday where uh, you know there's a, a beatdown going on between Raw and SmackDown. Becky Lynch gets busted uh, open from a, a Nia Jax punch. Uh, she's triumphantly, you know, walking to the back with blood all over her face. People called it like you know the King of the Ring moment or this big type moment for for Becky Lynch, and it was. It felt like it was getting a lot of buzz, and there was a lot of uh, traction going on all across the internet and all across the uh, the mainstream media about it as well and then we come to find out that uh on tuesday that she is legitimately uh she had a concussion and what they're the weirdest fucking company joe a broken face she has a broken face show it's actually a broken nose but for some godforsaken reason they call it a broken face why is this the weirdest company ever i like that that wasn't immediate somebody said ah yeah so brecky lynch has got a broken nose and it's that's a broken face and it's like why who cares like she was taken to a local medical facility for her broken face like what are we doing why are this is not human beings why are we doing this who's ever had a broken face i mean maybe rudy t rudy t is about the only guy who had a broken face because this is like actually caved in on itself rudy tomjanovich i just use a 70s nba reference that nobody's gonna get except for you joe but you got it so that's good yeah yeah um similar situation too he just got cold cocked in the face and uh you know and, and decked but um yeah i don't know you know this company with their vernacular a broken face yeah i mean i, I think <laughs> just say broken nose i think they're trying to make it sound more impressive <laughs> like not not impressive but they're trying to make it sound like it's a more dangerous injury or a more um you know, serious injury than, than I, I, I think that's the idea. I think the yeah. idea is, you can also just say concussion because your company is back patting itself about concussion. So I think you're pretty well good if you just say concussion, but I get it. Like you're saying, cause somebody might think a broken nose, you throw a face mask on and you go out there and you, and, and you work like, yeah, who cares? You know, some territory guy talking about how they broke their nose. So yeah, the idea that just a broken nose would keep you out of a match that I, I, I could see that, but I think, they said broken a broken face and concussion. I think the concussion is more than enough that you could actually, you know, given what all this company has done. And, and, and I, listen, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think it's stupid that they, you know, but but I think I think the idea too is that they don't think. I think there's a lot of people out there that don't take concussions, uh, you know, all that seriously sure. either. Yet um, they hear concussion and they think, you know, you just bumped your head, you know, and. Um, especially if you're not a sports fan and you don't see all the massive change, changes that have taken place in every organized sport. I mean, even baseball now has a special disabled list specifically for concussions. And um, when guys get hit in the head, um, you know, with an errant baseball or whatever. So it's not just even the contact sports. It's just 
So, but, but, but I think that there's some people who just hear a concussion and they don't take it. But, but yeah, I don't know. They just, they want to make these injuries that she have sound way more, um, you know, like she suffered. I think they're just trying to make them sound more impressive, but yeah. it's just, that's what this company is. Just, it's just at the end of the day, it's utter nonsense. It's they're not, just weird. They're just very, very weird when they don't have to be in this, in these cases, they just come up. They just have decided that the certain vernacular has to be done because well, which the problem, the problem here is here's the problem. Saying broken face doesn't make it sound more impressive. It just makes it sound stupid. Right. Because it's not a real thing. Um, so what they end up doing is they they should have just said they should have made up an injury. It's wrestling. Say she has a broken orbital bone. <laughs> right. you know, yes, <laughs> there you go. That's a very serious injury. The broken orbital bone, like you know, yeah. I mean, say she has a fractured skull. I mean, who cares? It's wrestling. Make up an injury that really does sound like it's debilitating. What is a broken face? It just sounds hokey, and yeah. it sounds like the rest of their made up language. So, um. You know, I, I you know, I, I'm with you. It it that sounded goofy, but with that said, it hasn't done anything to cool off Becky Lynch at all. If not anything, at all, not at she's, all. She's hotter, uh, thanks to the injury. And you know, uh, this you know, it, it's it's almost universally agreed that because she doesn't have serious injuries. And, you know, I mean, because of broken nose and, you know, it seems like it wasn't any kind of serious concussion and broken noses aren't a big deal, um, you know, that it's a blessing in disguise. That's the prevailing theory, because now they don't have to do this Ronda Becky match at Survivor Series. You don't have to force yourself into either a bullshit finish or having to have someone do a job when neither one of them are in a position right now where doing a job is a good idea. You're definitely not beating Ronda. And as hot as Becky is, it'd be ridiculous to beat her at this point. So now, because of other circumstances, Roman Reigns and his medical issue, uh, Triple H you know, tearing his chest off, um, the company just not believing in Braun Strowman whatsoever. I don't care what anybody says. They don't believe in Braun Strowman and never will. And I think, you know, the events of this week hammer that home. Um, that uh, now this is going to be potentially your main event match at WrestleMania, which is better for everybody involved. She's the hottest character in the company. Becky is. Ronda Rousey is the biggest star in the company. Um, depending where you stand on whether Brock is a part-timer or full-timer or whether Ronda Rousey is a bigger star than Brock anyway. And now that's potentially your WrestleMania main event because you have no Roman Reigns. You have no Triple H versus Batista, uh, or you know, or, or it's at least in doubt. Uh, they don't believe in Braun Strowman, so who knows what they're going to even do with Brock. Uh, you know, there's some opponent that uh, they have planned that, that hasn't you know been reported anywhere yet. So, you know, it's 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 a good break. You know, they can main event WrestleMania. It's it's the hottest program in the. Co- I, here's what I know, Rich. It's by far the hottest thing in the company on November fifteenth. Oh, and it's it's not even close. And it's not even. Close. And the, the thing too is, you can kind of gain that that mainstream buzz that we always talk about. We use the VOW yeah. buzzometer, whatever. It's not really a, a you know a perfect science or whatnot, but it's just one of those things, similar to like the, the punk thing at, at Money in the Bank. And there's been a few times, like the Daniel Bryan rise and and that first Cena uh, Brock match. There's there's been a few times here and there that it, you know WWE has sort of done that, and and you notice it. It's just like you know you get people that maybe don't talk 
to you about wrestling all that much, asking you some questions. You see websites covering it that you've never seen covered before. It's just like anything. And the people are just consuming anything about Becky right now and anything about Ronda. And I don't know if you noticed the ratings too. Did you did you see the SmackDown ratings? They did pretty well uh, as well, like better than they've done in recent weeks. So there was an audible, like not only the buzz that we're sort of talking about, but like legitimately people curious to go and jump in and see what this injury thing was going to be and what the next steps was going to be and all that sort of stuff. But man, that blood, I mean, Becky walking to the backstage with that blood. I mean, that is an iconic moment and it's one of those situations very similar, you know, and we'll see eventually how it comes. And obviously there's a lot of different ways we want to kind of cover this and tackle this, uh, this whole situation in a bit, but you know, on the positive side, this might end up being, you know, a, a blessing in disguise in a lot of ways. Obviously it sucks to get a broken nose. It sucks to get a concussion. It sucks to do all that. But like you said, the, the idea that now you can sort of hold off, you don't have to get forced into this this angle on Survivor Series. Uh, Becky now, I think, is even more popular than ever, as you said. She's like arguably the, one of the po- most popular wrestlers in the entire company uh, right now. And and there's also that idea too of like things getting taken away from you as a wrestling fan is sometimes the best thing you can possibly do. We talk about all the time where you know people want this in New Japan right now, tomorrow, today. I need this right now, and the best thing that they do a lot of times is make you wait. They make you. They made Okada wait a year and a half to get his big moment. They're making Naito eventually wait for his big moment. They made Omega sort of wait a little bit as well. Like that's some of the best things ever. And 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 you look at WWE and you look at some situations that happen as well. Another horribly unfortunate situation was you know Stone Cold you know getting dropped on his neck by Owen Hart uh, at SummerSlam '97. But they worked it out in an angle where he you know was sort of the guy. Hey, I'm ready to go. And the company saying, No, you can't. No, you're not ready. No, you're not. And it ended up building the entire anti-establishment character that Austin had. Is like here's a guy who's out there every single week saying hey no put me in i'm ready to wrestle i'm, I'm fine i'm whatever and the company not allowing fans to get what they want and the fans sort of bubbling and, and and percolating from that and then going oh my god no we need this guy we want this guy and then he comes back he's an absolute megastar and like i i'm not saying the exact same thing is going to happen with becky they have to play their cards right to get to that point but i think you know i i think in a month's time we might look back in this and go geez this actually was good. To, I mean, yeah, obviously, again, it sucks that, that it happened, but it might have been great timing and it might lead to an incredible moment at WrestleMania where these two are in the main event, which would just be ridiculous as well. It'd be awesome to see that happen. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's superficial injury, so it's not, you know, you know, to feel bad about saying, you know, that's the thing. It, it, I'm sure she doesn't deep down really care all that much. You know what I mean? Like, I, I oh, think no, she no. probably it, sees at, at this point, she has to be, yeah. she's got to be thrilled at how this is all playing out. Um, You know, and and look, we'll see if they can keep it hot in, until April. Um, but and, and look, Becky Lynch was super hot before that happened. But this, without question, has taken it to another level. And it's also opened up um, all of the Twitter and social media sniping that Becky and Ronda are doing, with it, which they're doing it to perfection. I mean, you, you can't do it any better than particularly Becky than the way that Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey are going at it on social media. It's 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 um, they're they're successfully working people. Um, you know, it's, it's reality based. It's, it's just tremendous. And Nia Jax is getting in the mix too. And I know there's a lot to unpack here and we want to talk about Nia Jax a little bit, but you know, Nia and Becky are working too. Nia, you know, got a lot of heat from a lot of people for posting that picture of her fist and complaining about the little cut on her fist, you know, it, which was really a tremendous tweet, you know, cause it riled everybody up. It, it, it achieved its objective of riling everyone up and um, you know, and obviously they're all working at this point. I think that's, you know, um, fairly obvious, but they're doing it in such a way where, you know, like, you know, it was a pretty crazy 48 hours between the three of them just tweeting back and forth with each other and, and, and people just eating it up, 
I mean, this has been great stuff. It's it's without question the only thing that company has going right now. It's, it's by far the hottest thing they have going. Yeah. I don't know if you saw it earlier today, Nia Jax. I think in in, in a conversation with Tomatongo of all people, which is just the most nuts thing, uh, yeah. said like, you know, the docs say I'll be okay to compete at Survivor Series. So it's like this little thing, yeah. and then again, like a bunch of stories, you know, a bunch of sites picked it up, and people got really mad about her or whatnot. And and we'll we'll talk about Nia here in a bit because I think she she's. Not totally, uh, you know. You know, uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss her in a bit because yeah, I think there is some yeah, negatives yeah, to her in a bit. But, but yeah. like, no, she's working it well as well. Like, you yeah. lean into this. You know what I mean? Like, you, you you don't run and hide from it. Don't. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Oh my God, whatever. Oh my God, oh my God. Like, if Becky is cool with it, which you know, presumably from the tweets, she is. And, and oh, of and course she is. is. Yeah, yeah. No of course, it's, it, they're pro wrestlers. People. They're yeah. you know, at the end of the day, they're working. Anytime they can work and 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 kind of pull the wool over you, that's what they want to do. That's what their favorite thing in the world to do is because they're fucking pro wrestlers. But no, I mean. Now that they're all leaning into it and everyone's okay with it, like her then deciding, hey, you know what? I, there's no reason to run from it. Yeah, it's my thing, and and like she might be able to get something out of this as well. Like it might become a, a thing, and and you know there's a legit reputation for her. And I said we'll talk about that in a bit, but there's a way that she can spin this into a positive as well. So it it, it it's weird that like a real life injury can do this, but it, it really can in wrestling sometimes. And sometimes you need that to sort of uh, rejigger things and get people right uh, on the right track, which is is odd in this very 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 odd business. But well, well Rich. The stories that they tell never fucking work anymore. No, they suck because so, they fucking stink at them. So yeah, I mean, it's, and, and 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 you know, we'll talk about that when we get to Daniel Bryan because if that wasn't a fucking dick tuck, I don't know what. But we'll get to that. Uh, if that wasn't just you know, like that, that was like a light and a firecracker, and then it just fizzles until it, and it's just a dud. It's like but a we'll snake. Get to it, it, it was a snake where you light a firecracker and it's not a firecracker. It's one of those fucking you know the the snake that's like a five inch you know black thing that's just like. You know, like, oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, well, that's it. All right. Well, I thought this was a firecracker. That's all right. They blew the easiest story they were ever handed because they fucking stink and they don't know what to do with anybody anymore. But we'll get to that. But as far as this goes, it's like, you know, they backed into and accidentally sparked something that can potentially be hot now by no doing, and I'm talking about the, the company of their own. I mean, they just, you know, uh, fucking Nia Jax potatoed Becky Lynch and. Now they have something to work with here that that they did not create. They just they, it was handed to them, and we'll see if they blow this one. Because again, I think one thing that needs to be addressed is they can blow anything because they're terrible at what they do now. Um, <laughs> so they could find a way. And there's a lot of time, Rich. Oh, they're stop. licking their chops to find a way to fuck this up. I'm sure of it. I mean, this is easy too. This one is straightforward. But we thought Daniel Bryan's return and how hot he was was pretty straightforward. Right. Guy who was popular goes away, comes back. You know that's, hot, that's... He, now. Listen and remember, he was the hottest thing ever at that time, and yeah. they found a way to fucking cool him off. So you know, you let them get their grubby little hands and fucking uh, onto a, a fucking you know red hot story and 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 overwork it to death. They will. So you know, I'm not convinced. I'm not 100 percent convinced that we're just going to moonwalk into WrestleMania with this red hot main event. I am letting this play out, Rich, because there is way too much precedent that they can screw this up too. Even though it's gift wrapped for them. Um, but yeah, they were handed something here. Uh, with that potato shot. Now let's talk about Nia Jax a little bit because, listen, th- th- look, she deserves scorn. It's no secret. And on this show, we've talked about it all the time. She fucking sucks. We always say it. She's terrible. She's not a good pro wrestler. She's never been a pro- good pro wrestler. Uh, she's pretty awful at her job. And it's funny because when she first came up, Rich, if you recall, the knock on her was that her shit looked too light. Yeah. 
everyone was like, this is her. The idea of Nia Jax is that she's this woman who's twice the size of everybody else. And she, and she basically, she works light as a feather. That was her knock when she first came up. And now looking back at the series of botches and injuries that she has caused, and there's a laundry list of them. And I know yeah, I got, I got them here. We'll, You've got we'll, the list. I'll, so we'll go over, over them. it in yeah, a second. In a bit. Yeah. And if, you know, it, it, in the beginning was maybe she overcompensating for her reputation and, and maybe because it didn't take long for her to start, you know, destroying people, you know, left and right, you know, and, and it's like, and it culminates with this and yeah, I have no problem with them leveraging this into making some money off of it. I have no problem with that, but it does need to be said that Nia Jax not only is a terrible pro wrestler, but there is now a long track record of her being very dangerous. And, it's like she has to take her medicine now like everybody else does. Did Seth Rollins not go through this when he had that string where he injured Sting with the buckle bomb and he injured uh, – who else? He injured uh, Finn Balor, right? was another one. Yeah, yeah, said. yeah. And I, th- I forgot who was sniping him, but there was Cena a bunch of wrestlers. And- yeah, there was a bunch of wrestlers. Oh, yeah, he had uh, Cena in the nose and broke his nose or whatnot. Yeah, I forget so, about that so too. Seth so. Rollins went through a rough stretch where he injured some people and he took his medicine. AJ Styles went through a rough stretch where I think over the course of 18 months, he broke like three people's necks with the Styles Clash. Which yeah, he- Tatsu, uh, Lionheart, then I forget the I forget the third. Yeah, those two for sure. Oh, yeah, of course. Duh, yeah. And, and, and it's like for 15 years, he didn't hurt anybody with the move. And then he hurt three people in a year. And now he hasn't hurt anybody since. It's like it was just all clustered. You know, and 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 he took his medicine. Remember, people were calling for ban it, you know, ban the Styles clash, get rid of it. And we defended AJ Styles, and and but he took his medicine. Uh, you know, when he went through this, Brie Bella most recently went through this, where she had a series of botches where most of them were just hurt herself. But then, you know, she <laughs> right, right, right. But, but I mean, and she had to eat shit. So when you have a long string of botches like this and a long now pattern of injuring people. I'm sorry. You got to hear shit. So she has to hear some shit now. And you know, it, it and she's got to be careful now. It's just the way it goes. And you can go right down the line. And those are only three examples. Uh, there's others. If we, if, if we really stop to think about it and, uh, and, and, but, but, but rich read off some of it, because I don't know if people really understand. And, and, and we were told immediately, you know, bombarded with DMs, how, the dirty little secret in the company is Nia Jax is fucking dangerous and nobody likes working with her. So- yeah. So this is, uh, this is from Reddit. This is good guy rev on the uh, squared circle, our squared circle on Reddit uh, compiled some of these. I know. And there's some others as well that people gave us and we're like, Hey, don't forget about this one. Cause we were kind of discussing it on Twitter a little bit. Uh, this one, uh, you have Charlotte doing a moonsault to the outside and I not catching her, but that that's an epidemic in this entire company. Nobody knows that for all those fucking classes yeah. they have at the PC and there's a hundred people and 47 teachers. And can somebody learn how to fucking catch somebody off the top rope for God's sakes? Nobody in the company does men, women, nobody, nobody knows how to catch anybody. Please somebody catch somebody. Has Jesus anyone, Christ. has anyone ever caught Charlotte flair? No one's ever caught Charlotte. No, Charlotte him. always. Yeah, she needs to just not do stuff off the top rope anymore. She's not great either because she, I don't, I, I think her landing 
things are always pretty rough too. And like we've always talked about too, she's so much bigger than a lot of the other women and taller yeah. than a lot of the other women that it's really tricky and weird or whatnot. But no, nobody's ever caught her on anything ever. I think you know, they're terrified. Tries and then just fall. yeah, I, I would be too. I mean, let's be honest. You know, it's it's a lot happening, and she doesn't do stuff the smoothest either. You know, even her little yeah. corkscrew thing or whatever. It's you can tell it's like hard. You know what I mean? It's it's coming at you. It's not like a you know a Yoshino or some guy like that doing a moonsault where he's just lightly tapping you on the chest and he's landing on his feet or whatever, moving on or whatnot. Yeah. She's far from graceful. No, what you're trying to say. She's not. She lands. She lands on you after one of those moves, and that's not ideal. You usually supposed to kind of roll out of it and whatnot, which is what you know we always talk about as well when people look at like stuff like Dragon Gate and 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 all these other companies. And oh my God, they're unsafe because they're doing flips. Like these guys are the lightest flippers in the world. How many Dragon Gate guys just land on their feet, just go on? You know what I mean? Like they'll bump the guy in the chest, or they'll land into 15 people, or they'll land into half the fucking rosters out there catching them. Like it's not a problem at all. Yeah, the whole units out there, and they got 10 people catching them, or it's a lot of tuck and roll. It's a lot of yeah, tuck exactly. and roll. Right. Same thing in lucha. Yeah, it hits you in the chest tuck. as I go, and then yeah, I, I roll out of it. Yeah, any lucha guy you bring up, anytime they're doing you know a, a decent moonsault, they're they're hitting you on the chest a little bit, but then they're rolling through it, either landing on their feet or you know rolling another two times, and then you know popping up or whatever. So it's it's very light. But yeah, you got that. Another time, uh, you have Charlotte getting her head spiked right on Naya's knee. So knee, uh, Naya's trying to do a shoulder breaker, uh, but uh, instead decides the top of her skull is her shoulder. That and just one hits is her right on the top brutal. of the head. Yeah. That brutal. one, I forgot about that one. It is really bad. There's <laughs> video clips really of all of these. Yes, yeah. As I said, good guy Rev. If you look up, it's just called "A History of Unsafe Practices" by Nia Jax is the name of the thread. I'll try to throw a link in the show description, but in case I forget, uh, there you go. Uh, Bailey um, talks about messing up her shoulder after be th- being thrown by Nia, causing her to miss SummerSlam a few years ago. So you got that. Uh, someone told us about a battleground thing as well, right? I did not watch it or Proving Ground or whatever. What the hell is the name of the show that they have on WWE Network where they they go back and look at training? I, I forget what it was exactly, it's but um. Ground. Proving ground. That's it. Uh, where they're doing like the the hair toss spot, and Nia somehow fucks somebody up. I forget what exactly happened there, but that was another one as well. Uh, there is a Nia botch where he uh, she drops an elbow on Bailey, even though Bailey is sitting up, which is not ideal for an elbow drop. So it's another one of those like kind of weird. Like I don't know who's really at fault there, but yeah, it doesn't look good when Nia is the one dropping an elbow on you know a Bailey who's sitting up or whatever. So definitely pretty awkward. Uh, there was Nia Jax doing a backbreaker and she lands on the wrong knee. Uh, against Asuka, so that definitely did not go well either. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the one pretty recently, which I think is 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 on Tamina as well, but uh, the same day that this happened, this, the same day that this Becky Lynch thing happened, uh, Zelina Vega, who got tossed out of the ring by Nia Jax at Evolution and landed right on her fucking face, uh, yeah. she just got cleared uh, on Monday when this happened as well. And 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 Oh, sorry, one more as well. Alexa Bliss also talked about uh, earlier in the year getting injured. Uh, in in a match with uh, Nijax as well, so yeah, there's uh, there's a laundry list there. I mean, that's a lot of people on that roster that can uh, can say they've been uh, hurt at some point by her. So that's yeah, that's not good. Which is why this idea that it's unfair to criticize her is bullshit. She's got a wake of bodies, of trail of bodies that she's left behind, and like anybody else, she's gonna have to take some some shit for it. And and again, we've had people tell us that she has a reputation for being dangerous, and and there's people who don't like working with her. So, you know, from that aspect, it is what it is. Now, do I think you can get away with, um, you know, injuring somebody or a botch if you're – look, it's like we said at the top. She sucks, and she's not a favorite of the hardcore fans or the smarks. And, yes, people are going to be harder on wrestlers like that. I'm not that, – that's without question. That You know, I don't even think you could argue that. I think if – look at it this way, uh, Rich. If – um, Daniel Bryan 
injure someone on a botch and then pick your company trained guy of choice. How about Titus O'Neil? And Titus O'Neil injures somebody on the exact same botch. Who's going to get more shit for it? Yeah, I Titus O'Neil. You know, so we can't sit here and pretend that you don't get more rope if you're someone who is considered a great worker or someone who knows what they're doing or someone who's just a hardcore favorite. But with that said, we just gave examples of people like Seth Rollins and AJ Styles here in the same shit when they had a trail of bodies in their wake as well. So, yeah, you can get away with one or two, but when you have a, 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 a pattern and a history of, of, of being sloppy with people, I, I, listen, there's no reason you can't criticize uh, Nia Jax now. There's people out there saying she should lose her job and all that. And I, yeah, that, that's stupid. It's, too. Like, yeah. it's like anything else. <laughs> Don't listen to the most extreme opinions. It's like anything else in life, not just wrestling. Eliminate the extremists on both sides, always. Okay? It's like Olympic fucking diving scores. You eliminate the highest and the lowest right off the bat. Just fucking <laughs> right. get rid of that shit. It's it's the outliers. Don't don't get in arguments with those people, those mentalists. Okay. But it, it is totally reasonable and fair to be critical of her. Um, I think it's a bigger problem in the company. There's just they're calling up people who aren't very good and aren't ready and, and don't have enough experience and you know, and sometimes this is what you get. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I think a lot of the issue as well that we talk about, yeah, the experience and, and, and not getting maybe the proper training at the performance center, despite the fact that, as we said, there's so much, there's all the systems in place to have it. But a lot of times uh, guys either don't get the right training or guys or girls don't either get the right training. Or in many cases, like Nia Jax was somebody that got brought up way sooner than she probably should have. And I think even at the time, that was the thing of like, oh, really? We're going to bring Nia Jax up already? Yep. Like, I don't think she's quite ready. And there's been quite a few of that where like people come up and those sort of, and those guys and girls are the ones that end up kind of having a lot of these issues as well. And the other problem too is they're working a, a, a very fast-paced style in WWE right now. I mean, it is – go back and watch somebody from six years ago. It's almost it, – it, it's it's unrecognizable the way they're working now. They're working a riskier, faster-paced style, which is fine. Like, I you know, I enjoy it to, to an extent. But the problem that, that, that ends up happening is when you get people that either aren't on the same page or aren't as well-trained or don't know each other, there's not that same chemistry, you're trying to do stuff that, like, you know, guys in New Japan do and they tour with each other and, they, and they're fighting the same guys over and over and over again. You know, Dragon Gate, those guys are fighting each other over and over again like indies guys are super familiar with each other and 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 do this sort of stuff whereas a lot of times you're trying to work this like breakneck style you know i wish i should probably come up with a better term than that but you know like this sort of style in in you know without maybe necessarily having that same chemistry that a lot of other people would have or maybe not having that same idea but but i think more than anything it comes to training and and just knowing where to be and knowing the better parts and and just you know developing that that that, because chemistry is a part of the training as well developing that sort of chemistry and knowing you know instincts where people are going to go you know bailey sits up don't drop the elbow drop you know what i mean like something like that you know charlotte you kind of lose charlotte while you're trying to do a shoulder breaker change it into a power slam like just that stuff like that of just sort of adapting to this to what's in front of you versus necessarily you know just being set and, and, and rigid in the style that you're working in the, in the in the type of match you're having which is is a big problem as well with the pc is they teach one style of work and one way to do it and and follow this pattern or whatnot and and, and sometimes you have to improvise and sometimes you have to sort of work your way through things and and, and sometimes it doesn't you know it doesn't work out that way so well it's like jeff hawkins always says uh, the thing about the pc that people lose sight of they're not there to to uh, build great wrestlers. They're there to build television stars. Yeah, right. They're teaching these people the basics and they're trying to create television stars. They're not trying to create uh, people to go out there and have five-star matches. And there are two great myths 
when it comes to the WWE main roster and the WWE as a whole, there's two great myths that have, have really, it's just become shit people say, and it's not true. And you touched on one of them that the WWE house style is safe. It is absolutely not safe. It is fast paced. It is dangerous as any other style in the world. They go hard. They do wild shit. There's dives in practically every match. No, literally every match because that's how they go to commercial breaks. They, they go, go to commercial break. like a dive equals commercial break now. It's, it's, it's and nuts. no one knows how to catch. And 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 there's high impact stuff. This idea that the WWE house style is safe is utter fucking nonsense. Look at their litany of injuries that they have in this company. Even right. even though they have like 250 wrestlers on their contract, they have a higher percentage. I don't. I, I listen. I can't prove this, but I'd be willing to bet that they have a higher percentage of their wrestlers injured and unable to work than any other company in the world. Oh, absolutely. No, no, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt in my mind that they do. And it, it, there's, yeah, this, this past year has been just a laundry list of injuries. It's been a little mixed stuff, but there's somebody's out. Yeah. There's, there's little nicks and, and, and scrapes and bruises and whatnot, but there's knees, there's necks, there's concussions. There's a lot of shit going on. Like, cause they just work Like we said, a breakneck speed, a, a fast pace, a dangerous pace, and, and, and no more dangerous than any other wrestling company, but it is dangerous all the, all the same. But then at a, at a schedule, that is well beyond what anybody works as well. And I think that's one of the big issues, uh, you, you know, more than anything, especially with these, all uh, the litany of, you know, knee injuries and, and those kind of, you know, uh, you know, wear and tear injuries that are, are, are so persistent right now as well is that they're just working. And it's, I mean, the, the house shows, you know, driving from city to city, that's right. That wears on you. I mean, it, you, they don't get their time off. They don't get the tag matches. Like we talk about on house shows and, and people, you know, criticize, you know, new Japan for having these kind of mundane, you know, multi-man tags on, 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 you know, road to shows or whatnot. And I agree, you know, sometimes, those are boring or whatnot, but they're there for a reason. They're there to give guys nights off. They're there to give guys, you know, Kata has to go in there, throw a rainmaker, hit a drop kick, and then tag out, and that's all he needs to really do. And and that's that's you know, whereas some of these house show guys, you know, a, a guy like a Seth Rollins has to play the hits almost every single night, and that 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 wears on guys. And and I don't I don't even and now look if you want to make the argument, okay, they've got a higher percentage of injuries, but they're making people sit out with things like concussions. They're making yeah, and people that's the sit thing. out. And that's, that's definitely true. And, and, and you can make that argument that they're making people sit out with injuries that other wrestlers don't sit out because they, they sit out, they don't get paid, and these guys have downsides. I get that. But here's the thing. There's still injuries. At the end of the day, these people are all still injured because this is the, this is the most dangerous style the main roster, I would argue, has ever worked. You look in the you know oh, the mid eighties. Not even a competition. Just, Jesus. Even I mean, yeah. You look in the eighties, the nineties. <laughs> you look in the eighties and nineties. They were just slapping on headlocks, you know, and 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 hitting two or three high spots per match. This is a like you said, a fast, high paced, high impact style. And I don't want to hear it because they banned pile drivers. I don't want to hear about how safe it is. Okay. Because, and here's the other thing too. Oh, well, you know, and they're not doing head drops. Rich, the last takeover, there was a head drop, multiple head drops in every fucking match. I don't want to hear about WWE not doing head drops. It's nonsense. Okay. Uh, you know, it, because they, it, it, that's, that's not even true either. Okay. So that's myth number one that this, that, that the WWE is a safe house style. It isn't. It's dangerous, and, and you're seeing there, and all these people are sloppily trained, which and, and called up too soon, which brings me to myth number two, that the that, and this is something that people have been saying, and when you really examine it, it's not true, that the WWE main roster is the most talented roster in the world, and it's super deep, and everybody's great, rich. I don't even think it's that good. When you really examine the WWE main roster, it's not that great of a roster. You have a couple great wrestlers at the top. Whether it's AJ Styles, who, by the way, has had like one great match in a year, 
Okay, but that, that's we'll, we'll talk about that there. in a bit. Yeah, we got a, we got a 370 day title reign that we're going to talk about here and try to break down look, in a moment. So yeah. Well, look, he's a great wrestler. I'll, you know, it's like so you have your AJ Styles and your Daniel Bryan's and your Seth Rollins. You have your people, and then you have a bunch of people in the middle who are all indistinguishable and the same. And then the bottom of that roster fucking stinks. Okay, you trust Mandy Rose? Mandy Rose, she's terrible. You trust uh, Jinder Mahal? Like Ginger Mahal, some kind of great worker. Nia Tamina, Jackson, Tamina, we talked pits. about earlier. <laughs> Tamina is Tamina. one of the worst. Who can't do a splash? Wrestling. If there's one thing Tamina Snuka should be able to do, it's a splash. She has been in that company for like 13 years now. She can't do a splash. She can't do is, a splash. Uh, <laughs> Sonya Deville, some kind of great wrestler. You go right down. Oh, the hold line. on, hold on a minute. That that was your girl. Your 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 Sonya Deville fan. Like, no, she's not. No, no. You know, it's like you. It's like people talk about how great this man. It's not. And and forget that's just the bottom. That's the dregs. Even look at the middle. I mean, you know, this roster is just loaded with people like the Ascension and yeah. And, uh, well, I think and, uh, some guy that, that you have to look at as well. Elias is a guy who character wise is great. He is not a good worker at all, and they're gonna have to figure out a way to kind of get around that. He's it's, okay. I mean, I, I don't. I, think- yeah, I think he's fine. But I mean, he's he's fine for what he is now. But they have high hopes for him. I, I don't know that he can. He's a guy that you see that where it's like, yeah, okay, the character's all there, but man, once they get him in like a situation where he has to have a match that's more than ten minutes, I mean, they're going to really struggle with that. Baron Corbin is a very great example of that as well. Baron Corbin was all well and good when he was out there, you know, throwing guys around on two minute NXT matches, but Jesus, you get him in a thirteen minute match and you know nine minutes are headlocks because he doesn't know what else to do. So that that's Rich, that's going to be a problem. Baron Corbin's so bad they don't let him wrestle anymore. <laughs> right, they, they took him it's, away. It's, yeah, if you really take a hard look at this roster, it's it's okay. It's a good roster. It is not this great roster that people make it out to be. And a lot of these people, like you're saying, are rushed up to the main roster. They're under-trained. They're, they're, they, they were trained in-house. And, and again, I listen, the PC, I, I have a lot of problems with the PC. I, I really don't think that – in a lot of aspects, I don't think they're training people well. And, and we're seeing that. There's a lot of sloppiness on this roster. And there's people getting hurt constantly. And um, you know, I, I just I, I think it's a myth that the WWE main roster is is the best roster in the world and the deepest roster. It's not very deep at all. It's a very shallow roster. It's very good at the very top. Then it's okay, I guess, in the middle. And then it's just from the middle down. It's 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 a very weak roster. There's not a ton of great talent on this roster. Um, you know, and and maybe. You know, we, we, we always say when we review these pay-per-views, ah, you know, another one that looked great on paper, but it just didn't deliver. Maybe it's because they're not great on paper and we just have this distorted vision of what mm-hmm. this roster is because they don't deliver. And it's because I think it's an average as fuck roster. It is. It's an average roster when you, when you really boil it down and break it down. It's an old roster too. I, I was going to say that's, that, other- that's a big part of it too. Is like a guy like an AJ Styles who you know we keep looking at. Okay, when's this? You know, man, AJ Styles had a rough year. Oh, he hasn't had great matches this year. I mean, he's forty-one years old. At some point, he was going to slow down. You know what I mean? Like, and this might have been it. Samoa Joe is another guy who's a little bit older. Even a Daniel Bryan type who, who we'll talk about had a great a, a, a great match on SmackDown or whatnot. Has had some good matches in it since his return, but hasn't quite had great matches. I mean, he's a guy with a, a lot of wear and tear on his body, and he's you know in his uh, late thirties as well. Like, I mean, that that's an issue. Shinsuke Nakamura is a guy guy who who by all accounts appears to just be cashing out out in his late 30s as well there's a lot of those guys that that are older than you think and you don't quite realize like AJ Styles is the same age that like Hogan was you know when Hogan was considered old and you know what I mean like it, it, we, we sort of take for granted because these guys do take better care of themselves and they do do better stuff but still they're they're they're, they're going to age at some point I and mean, that might be in a big issue is that a lot of the top tier workers even your Cena types are older I mean Cena has absolutely slowed down a lot where three years ago he was out there having really good matches now at this point he either a doesn't need to have those good matches or b 
isn't really capable of him either because he, he is older and the, and the wear and tear has, has finally kind of shown itself. Most of the top end of their roster, both uh, when it comes to their top stars and their top workers, are wrestlers clearly on the backside decline of their career. With the exception of maybe Seth Rollins and one or two others that I'm not thinking of. Uh, some of the uh, on the women's side, your Becky Lynch's and your Sasha Banks, they're not on decline yet either. But um, a good portion of the top end of their roster, you just named a bunch of them. I'm not going to name them again. Are clearly on the backside, on the downside of their of their careers. Some like Finn Balor too. People forget he's 37 as well. You know what I mean? Like I still think he's got years ahead of him, but uh, he's still he's 37. You know what I mean? It's not like this dude. He looks like he's like you know 29 years old, but he's he's 37 years old. I mean that's he's an old man. Yeah, I mean, you, there, there's there's like a you could be an old 37 or a young 37 and those sorts of things. I'm, I don't want to see her split hairs on everyone, but um, it, it's it's really just an average. I mean, is Dean Ambrose some kind of super worker? Um, you know, you go right down the line. It's not it, the perception of how good this roster is does not meet the reality, and that's probably why all of their major shows are disappointing because we're setting the bar too high. It, it's just not that good of a roster, and there's a lot of undertrained people on the bottom of it. So, um, you know, those, those are two things that I, that I wanted to point out. And quickly, I guess we should talk about this Daniel Bryan thing, um, which is surprise. You know, they, look, th- this is if, – if, if someone went into a coma the night that he announced – that they announced his return and how hot, you know, all of that was and how excited everybody was and how it was like, oh, well, shit. They've got themselves a gift wrap top star for the top of the card. He's, he's fucking – people have been waiting four years for this. This is easy. You do a build here. He gets through the Miz, and then uh, you know he either beats the Miz or AJ Styles for the title at WrestleMania. Nice, easy, put a bow on it. This is the easiest story they could ever tell. And we talked, and we got some pushback on it in the beginning, but then people started to you know more and more people started to see things our way. They couldn't have blown this Daniel Bryan return worse. I mean, it's just a, it was an abject failure. The the Cass feud was the was totally misreading the room it was a waste of time and it was and and and, and you, you were devoting time to someone who had no future whether he would have gotten cut or not that man had no future he was just he's he's another person who was just someone shitty on the on this supposed great roster i mean big Cass was working semi-main events i mean the guy was always terrible and everybody knew it and that was a waste of time the Miz feud was weird and they totally cooled him off and turned him into just a guy and uh, nothing says that more than, you know, him doing uh, a just a guy heel turn um, that anyone else on the roster could have done. And, and it's just he's just a guy now with with spur of the moment heel turns that were decided 48 hours earlier and winning the title and it not really meaning anything. And they couldn't have blown that any worse. And it's just fucking disturbing how bad they are at telling even the easiest gift wrapped breakaway dunk stories that they're fucking handed. And, uh, and here we are, Daniel Bryan turns heel wins the title. And, and much like the rest of Daniel Bryan's run, nobody fucking cares. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, is he any kind of difference maker? And he should have been, but he's not, he's just a guy. Yeah, I'm excited to see this only because it's just something different for him. Because what, what he was doing as a face, I mean, they obviously, as you said, they 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 fucked that up royally, and that was never going to get back on track the way it was. So I'm excited to at least see a different tone to him because it has been forever. I, I, I'm honestly trying to think back if he was ever really 
a true heel, quote unquote. Maybe with the team hell no, no stuff he, for a little he, bit. He, and, no, he had that heel run where he wrestled Mark Henry and Sheamus and, and all. Oh, remember that's the, right. the, turned on Henry. Yeah, I remember that. He was kind of a chicken shit with the money in the bank. He was a chicken shit right. heel. Yeah, it was like yeah, and he did very. He was he, he did very well in that role. But people like us were like, "Ugh, this is a waste of Daniel." Bryan. Right, but he right, but right. he performed well and. There were a lot of people who were high on it, but it's not what I wanted out of Daniel Bryan. And to me, it was always a waste of of what he proved he can bring to the table as a babyface later. So, I mean, we were right again when it came to that. Yeah, of course. And I forget that's when he started the yes thing, and then it became, oh, yes, yes. is getting over, so do no, and then no got over, and then yes got over even more, and then eventually they just had to turn him again and, and, and make a face, and he was a big star, yeah. Exactly. And And just to be clear before you go on and make your point, I don't even have a problem with them turning Daniel Bryan because he was going nowhere as a face anyway. I just think it's funny in looking back at how it all played out. I don't care in, that they turned him. In just him. a few months. Yeah, in just a few months, they took a slam dunk and made it into now he's just a another guy. guy. He's, a cog, he's a cog in the wheel. You know you what I mean? You can turn him. You cannot turn him. Doesn't matter. Doesn't make a difference. It's like... You know, and 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 he and and he himself, it now has come out, was so disappointed in the way they were pushing him. He wanted to turn heel. Can you fucking imagine that? From how hot he started, <laughs> yeah. even he knew, even he knew that this sucked, and he wanted to turn heel. So does anyone still want to argue with us anymore? Okay, I'm embarrassed to take this victory lap because it's so fucking obvious. I wouldn't even take it. It, it, it'd be shameful to take a victory lap on this one. The man himself knew that his push was a fucking dud and asked to be turned to freshen it up. So I, to, to, just to be clear, I don't have a problem with turning him. It's fine because nothing they do with him matters anymore because they've, you know, they decided he wasn't a top guy. They decided to not even try to take advantage of how hot his return was. And that was it. And that's that. He's just a fucking guy on the roster. Go ahead. Yeah, just a, a member of the telling stories crew now at this point, which kind of sucks for him. And, and that's where, like, you know, I'm enjoying. I'm, I, I like the idea of a heel turn. I like the idea that he's a champion. I think it's nice to have something different there. And I like that they're they've gotten behind him in, in at least the extent of, of giving him the title and and doing this new direction or whatnot. The thing is, it's it's always going to come down to you know sometimes heels in this company they they do a good job of that, and sometimes they're just chicken shits. And the problem is 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 we know from past precedent, like you mentioned, that that Brian is is probably going to be the chicken shit type. He they're still not going to make him a a dominant wrestler. They're still not going to make him a guy that can out wrestle his competition. They're going to make him a guy who, who cheats to win now a guy who uses roll-ups or kicks in the nuts to, to win matches. And that's, you know, I'm never going to be attracted to that style at all. There, there's a way to do Daniel Bryan well. And I know people keep bringing up, oh, yeah, it was great heel in Ring of Honor. Like, yeah, it was a great heel in Ring of Honor because he fucking rocked. Like, he would beat people's asses and he would use chicken shit tactics at, from time to time. Of course, he that was a big part of it as well. But more than that, he would out wrestle guys. And, and that was sort of the, the drive is that he would out wrestle guys. And maybe, you know, when things got a little dicey, that's when he would do it. But we know that, you know, or, or when things got a little dicey, that's when he'd sort of use nefarious means or cheat or, 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 or find ways around it. But we just know that they, you know, the salty hammer with them. Is, is always gonna be pretty tricky um so yeah we'll, we'll see i mean I, i'm again like you said at the top and, and you reiterated as well i'm fine with it because it's like jesus it's something different because this face thing was going nowhere nobody in the universe every in the universe you could lie to yourself as all you wanted but it was going nowhere uh, brian himself as you said knew it we knew it everybody that watched it hopefully knew it and could admit to themselves that it was going nowhere so i like that we have a different story to tell now one way or another i like that he, style. he, was, he was maybe uh, headed to a wrestlemania match with shane mcmahon I, I, I mean, you know, it, it, it's like it, it, it's it's they, they they blew all the momentum that he had, and and he knew it. 
Uh, thoughts on Styles? This 371 days he had his champion. Uh, this reign, I don't know, man. It's kind of I'm going through and looking at all these matches, and I'm like, yeah, there was some good stuff. But if you had told me that AJ Styles would have 370 days as a world champion, and you'd have what three matches that were like re- good to to really good, and like that's it. Like I thought we'd have a laundry list of great matches. I thought we'd have a, a memorable moment. I mean, he spent a, over a year as champion, and it's like, all right, you know, like it goes out without with with you know this this heel turn or whatnot. But I don't know. Was this a very memorable reign for you at all for for as long as it lasted? No, you have the Brock Lesnar match and really nothing else of note. I mean, you have the Brock no, Lesnar no match. Matches, you know, you have the Brock <laughs> match, which was a great match, and then you have a bunch of matches that were good. I guess. I mean, he didn't. He didn't have bad matches. Well, the fucking Brock match was like a week into his title reign. You know what I mean, like, it's like yeah, Jesus, like, I, you know, it, like the Nakamura matches were okay matches with ter- with a terrible story. Um, you know, and 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 the the Brian the recent Brian matches were okay. None of them knock my socks off. That's another- People are trying to make those matches better than they are. And they're oh, just, come on they're, now. They're- you can admit they're good. Like that's like just saying that was a good match. But I, oh my God, these two guys, it's like, nah, reel it in, man. These matches if, are not if that. You think, listen, if you think those are great matches, you're not watching much wrestling. No, I can show you. I saw this weekend on independent shows, you know, five matches that were as good or better than any Styles and, and Brian match of recent vintage. Like, I get it. I admit that you really, really want it to be good, but like, it's fine. You can just admit it. Like, you, you let their let the great matches speak for themselves. These have not been great matches. These two have had. They've been fine. They've been really they've been pretty good. But yeah, let's let's reel it in a little bit. They've been good high end TV matches, right? They, Which is fine. They're good That's three and three quarter star right. matches. That's what they are. Good three and three quarter star match. They, they, they didn't knock anyone's side. They won't sniff any match of the year list or anything like that. And it's Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, but all rights they should. But here's the thing. AJ Styles has not had a great... Really, the last two years, AJ Styles hasn't been great. I mean, he wasn't great in 2017, and he hasn't been great in 2018. He hasn't been good since like... AJ Styles hasn't been great since like 2016. I, I know people, but when you really look at it, that's the truth. Um, and and Daniel Bryan, that's the other facet of the heel turn. We know it, what it's going to be, as you know. But I don't. That's another reason I don't mind it because even from just a guy who likes watching wrestling matches, Daniel Bryan was not lighting my world on fire since he came back. He's been having good functional wrestling matches. I mean, some of the best on the main roster because the main roster is shit and hardly ever gives you great matches. But nothing that I'm ever gonna fucking seek out again in the watch. And it's Daniel Bryan. The bar is higher than that. But again, here's a guy who had four years off and a little older, and I, I don't know. You know, it, it's like so so even from that perspective, I don't mind the heel turn. Because yeah, his match quality will drop. Uh, it'll be more heel tactics and storytelling and stuff like that that you know it, but what are we really missing out on? He wasn't out there having four and a half star classics every week. Yeah, right. I I, I found myself because there was a lot of people that were very upset by the heel turn. There were a lot of people. But I we, we talk about all the time. It's really just hard to get invested in the characters and the stories and and, and their motivations and all that sort of stuff now because it's it's just you're 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 silly for doing that. So it's just like you know just let it play. Out. And it's actually kind of refreshing to have that sort of take on it. Where like yeah, I'd, I'd love to get upset and oh my god yada yada yada. But I'm like yeah, whatever. We'll see. You know, we'll see how it goes. Rich, Maybe it'll I haven't, I haven't whatever. Been invested in Daniel Bryan since about three weeks after he came back when I realized what they were doing with him. Exactly. Right. We, so I don't care. I'm, I'm down for anything. I'm I'm whatever. <laughs> you know. 
No investment. And I still have no, I, my investment levels in Daniel Bryan are the same as they were a week ago. None. I, I don't care about anything to do with him because it's, it doesn't interest me. Um, so yeah. And, and as far as the, you know, back to your original question, AJ Styles title run, because it's AJ Styles, especially you, you have to chalk it up as disappointing when I can only think of one match that, you know, that, now look again, he had some decent matches versus Nakamura dragged down by the ball kicking. He had some decent matches against Samoa Joe. Some of those matches were pretty good, but he never could get over the hump past pretty good. And it's AJ Styles and his bar is higher than that. So I don't think it was a horrendous title run or a bad title run, but it was definitely disappointing. There's there's from a match quality perspective. And and a lot of the stories were just like the Nakamura story and everything were just utter shit. So yeah. And, that, and even the Samoa Joe the stuff with the home invasions and that. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, right. very underrated, that. like, shitty aspect of that entire thing is they had, like, you think about the, the feuds that he had. And, like, yeah, on paper, yeah. you're like, hey, he feuded with Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah, yeah, he feuded with Samoa Joe, and he had some good matches with, you know, Daniel Bryan. You would think this is what, hell of a title reign, but it's like, no, it was, like, home invasions, and I'm going to fuck your wife. Let's have a tie-up, you know, to start this match, and then, like, you know, let's have good matches and then kick each other in the nuts at the end of it. Like, yeah, it's really gonna. Yeah, it, 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 they were they were lacking. The, the title reign was 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 lacking, and I'm I'm glad it's over because I think there are bigger and better things uh, for that title and for maybe even Styles and and, and Brian, you know, away from that, whatever that story was or that picture. To be the title. fair, to be fair, Styles and Brian didn't get a pay per view match, um, so there are limitations to TV matches. Sure, and, and they're so, gonna get some coming up, so we'll see. You know, we'll see what. No, but the, no, yeah, but the problem now is Brian's gonna be doing his heel shtick. Right. So that doesn't automatically mean that they can't be great, but it, it, you know that that makes it harder. Mm-hmm. Because if if they go out there and have, okay, all right, well, this match has been 18 great minutes, and then the, the finish is just bullshit that makes you roll your eyes, it kills the match. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, it, I'm not saying they can't have a great pay-per-view match with Brian as a heel, but it definitely makes things a little more difficult. It would have been nice if one of these SmackDown matches were a pay-per-view match where they had 22 minutes to just go out there and, and have a, and have a great match where they nudge each other, you know, in the shoulder and say, Hey, let's go out there tonight and just fucking kill it. But they didn't even have an opportunity to attempt that, which is a little disappointing. Definitely. Uh, before we get to uh, previews of uh, the weekend uh, coming up, I know you wanted to talk uh, when we were talking about uh, the Becky Lynch and the Ronda and all that sort of shit, uh, Lana and her horrible tweets. Do you have a chance to let's, we've got to get to this. Cause I know you've been itching to talk about this. So uh, at Lana WWE says, I saw blood on Dana's face. So I stopped from hitting her. Also, I was being told to get a doctor and ref because of what had just happened to Becky. We're out there fighting to win, but not out there to legitimately hurt one another. So, <laughs> Joe? Okay. so here's the deal. This is why it's a terrible tweet. It's like you're breaking kayfabe and trying to retain kayfabe in the same tweet. Right. We're out there fighting to win, but not out there to hurt one another. (laughs) What? Which completely goes, of course you're trying to hurt them. It's like, it's like, so, and and I don't really blame Lana. She's an in-house trainee and they obviously have no guidelines on how, on how you're supposed to tweet. It's very clear in this cup because everyone tweets differently. Uh, Yeah. Given, you know, yeah, some people have different names. Like some people have their shoot names in there. Some people have their 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 just their character name. It's it's very bizarre the the, the way they go about it. Yeah, as you said. And, you, and and she and look, she she came from outside of wrestling. She was trained in house, so she doesn't necessarily understand wrestling the way that say maybe, uh, you know, name some you know Samoa Joe or whoever understands wrestling, and she doesn't even understand why that's such a horrendous tweet. And 
she she tweeted that out to defend herself from someone who had a little clip of her basically throwing the worst looking worked punches you've ever seen during the brawl and then just stopping. She just stopped working. So she defended herself by what you just read. But it's like, okay, all I ask, look, I understand where we are in, in time and with social media and it's, and, and the cat's out of the bag. I get all of those things. All I ask is pick a lane and stay in it. Okay. If you want to tell me, Oh, Becky legitimately got hurt. And I saw uh, Dana had blood on her and uh, that's fine, but don't tack on the, what was it? We're still fighting. Uh, right. The exact was uh, we were out there fighting to win, but not out there to legitimately hurt one another. Yeah. Don't mix in the <laughs> kayfabe. Listen, don't mix in the kayfabe shit then. Just give me what CJ Perry, what's her name? CJ Perry? Uh, Something yeah. Like that. yeah. yeah give me the CJ Perry. I was concerned for my fucking coworkers and I didn't feel like punching her in the face anymore. And I don't have a problem with that. If you leave out the other part or just give me the work, just keep working me laugh at them because they were injured and mock them the way that, 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 that uh, Nia Jax is mocking Becky Lynch, even though she legitimately knocked her out. Give me one or the other. Here's the thing, Rich. I don't have a problem with the Chuck Taylor style of Twitter. I know Wade Keller got in a lot of trouble. He thinks wrestlers should always be on. Listen, I don't have a problem with what Chuck Taylor does on Twitter where he's never in character and he's always goofing around. And he even flat out said, if I ever tweet, like pro wrestling is real. I have it ready if you're ready. I have it ready. The exact words. Yeah, it's incredible. By the way, if you don't follow at sexy Chucky T on Twitter, you're, you're you're basically doing Twitter wrong. He says, "Cut off, cut my little dick off if I ever pretend wrestling is real on my free Twitter page." Yeah, and look, <laughs> because he Love never does. Because he never does. I have no problem with it, and I think he has a very entertaining Twitter page. And then there's the other side of the coin, which is MJF who is always in character and kayfabe on Twitter. And I don't have a problem with that either. And and why I don't have a problem with either one of those guys, even though they're complete opposite ends of the spectrum, is they stay in the lane that they've chosen. Okay? And it's like that Lana tweet, and again, I don't blame her. She needs guidance from her bosses. Okay? And I don't want to go full Jim Cornette here, but if this were 1978 and Twitter existed and she worked in fucking Mid-South and Bill Watts saw that tweet, what would he do? He'd fire her. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Blow a gas. It's, it's, it's <laughs> pick a fucking lane and stay in it. Don't, don't give me worked comments and CJ Perry comments in the same tweet. It's just because, Rich, here's the thing. Even though the cat's out of the bag and we all know what this is, Every single one of us, me, you, and everyone listening, we like to suspend our disbelief. Or we at least like to try to suspend our disbelief. Rich, when you're at a show and you're into it or you're watching a fucking big New Japan show or you're watching a big world title match somewhere or something, don't you lose yourself in the moment for 20 minutes and suspend Absolutely. your disbelief? It's my favorite thing to do. I love to do it. I want to do it. I, I, I pine for the ability to do that in, in, in a match or, or while I'm watching a show or whatnot. I cannot wait to get into that moment and that frame of mind. It's the best. You can't tell me that you're fighting for your life on one hand and then, oh, I stopped punching her because someone threw up the X on the other. You can't do that in the same tweet. And how is there no one in the company telling her to take that shit down? Because there's no guidelines and nobody cares. And look, I, I, look, I don't think it's that big a deal in the grand scheme because, number one, I don't give a fuck about this bullshit main roster in this company anyway because it sucks. So it's not like – um, but, but it is something that when I saw it, I rolled my fucking eyes and I – it's just pick one or the other, you know, it's all, it's all I ask. 
You know, it, it's it's um, I I I know we don't speak the language, but I don't get the sense that like Tetsuya Naito is doing shit like that. I don't get the sense that Hiroshi Tanahashi is doing shit like that. You don't see like Samoa Joe doing shit like that, or 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 again MJF. You know. Um, he, he doesn't call, he doesn't quote tweet a fan to, to call him a stupid idiot and then say, oh, by the way, I have new shirts for sale on PWTs. Uh, he don't even stand at the fucking merch table. I mean, he goes all the fucking way with it. And I'm not even saying you have to be him. You could be Chucky e. T, but be one or the other. It just really fucking bothers me because this, you, the, 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 the people who work for this company don't know what their job is. Are we actors playing a role? Are we are we are we are we fucking workers trying to work fans into spending their money? They don't Lana doesn't know what her job is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, you can't really blame like you said, it's hard to blame her necessarily. She probably doesn't know. Okay, well, I I, I want to let you know give my side of the story, but then I also oh, I don't want to get in trouble, so I'll also, you know, say Yeah. You know, I mean her best other. option in that case is to say nothing. Who cares if some troll picked out a clip of you missing a punch? Leave it alone then. But it's like she doesn't know great what her job for is. By the way, who cares what a troll says? Leave it alone. It's great advice for everybody to follow, but and, especially and if you're a major star in a major company. Yes. So it's like you know, it, one week she's on, on total divas, and then the next day she's on fucking and and they're confused as to what they're supposed to be doing and what they're supposed to be conveying to the public. Well, there are multiple people on multiple shows that play different characters in the same universe. Drake Maverick yeah. <laughs> wears you know, yeah. a flak jacket and is a heel. And then the next day comes back and says, ah, don't worry what I do on Mondays or whatever. And then, you know, Leo Rush and like, yeah, there are numerous people in this company that don't even play the same character in the same universe. So I Rich. don't blame CJ Perry for not quite knowing where her lane is. She doesn't is. get it. And especially someone with no background in wrestling and, and, and obviously hasn't been taught these things. So I, I again, I, I, there's a fifth time I'm going to say it. I don't even necessarily blame her. Yeah. For not knowing what her fucking job is, because th- how could you know? And I, and I will close with this, and we can move on. Okay, for decades, for decades, Vince McMahon has been insisting to us that what he does is not pro wrestling. Okay, I think it's time that we just fucking listen to him. There we go. That's perfect. So uh, we're gonna get to the previews here in a minute, but I do want to let everybody know that this episode of the Voice Rest flagship podcast is sponsored by our friends at ZipRecruiter and Joe. I consider us smart people. Would you agree with that? No. I feel like you would. You don't think we're smart? Stop. You and I? Ah, come on now. We're brilliant. We're brilliant. There you go. There it is. You know what's not smart though, Joe? Job sites that overwhelm you with tons of the wrong resumes. What is smart is ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter does not wait for candidates to find you. ZipRecruiter finds them for you. It's powerful matching technology, scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, the right education, and the right experience for your job, and it actively invites them to apply so you get quality candidates fast. No more sorting through the wrong resumes. No more waiting for the right candidates to apply. None of that. It is no wonder that ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S., and this rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews as well, so you know it's reliable. Right now, this little bonus here. Voices Wrestling listeners can try out ZipRecruiter for free at our exclusive address, ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. Once again, ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. Go there right now and list for free. Try it out. ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. ZipRecruiter, the smartest 
way to hire. And also one more before we get to it, we'll do one more plug here. Uh, as the holiday season's kind of ramping up and as, you know, obviously uh, the Christmas sh- shopping season's coming and Thanksgiving and all this sort of stuff, we do want to let you know uh, to please, if you can, it would really help us a lot. Bookmark voicewrestling.com slash Amazon. If you have to make a purchase on Amazon, at least make sure we get a little bit of it. You, nothing changes for you. It's the same old purchase that you would make otherwise. But any little purchase you make, as we said, will a little percentage will come back and will help us out as well. So just bookmark it, voicewrestling.com slash Amazon. Click it anytime you got to make an Amazon purchase. I mean, look, if you need to you know, use the trillion dollar company, and I get it. I use Amazon all the time as well. At least get a percentage back to, to us and, and helps us keep the site running and running smoothly and, and, and you know, do all that other good stuff. So voicewrestling.com slash Amazon this holiday season. We would really appreciate it. It does not take anything out of your time. doesn't make anything different about the Amazon shopping experience, but it does help us out uh, tremendously. So voicewrestling.com slash Amazon for that. And I know the lovely Brittany is very good about that. I know, I think I can tell what you're getting for Christmas, Joe. So I can uh, spoil it if you want, anytime you want. So just let me know. I love how you are guilty about plugging Amazon. Like, Amazon's fucking great. I, you know, like, well, uh, they've been having, I guess, well, do you I, think, I, I let me tell you something. For, yeah, the, 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 all the stuff that's been going on. Who but. cares, man? I order something, it's at my door in a fucking day and a half. I mean, you can't beat it. They, so they have dro- it's so dumb. Like, why do they have, like, we, we ordered for, for Halloween, we ordered, um, do you, remember, do you remember the '90s game show Legends of the Hidden Temple, right? I know you were in your your, your like late 20s by that point, but um, it was like a Nickelodeon game show. I'm I'm joking. I'm dicking an old joke there, but uh, uh, <laughs> it's like a it, it's a, whatever. It's a dumb Nickelodeon game show, and it's like you know you just need these shirts or whatever for a Halloween gift. They were on Prime, Joe. They they showed up in like 10 hours. Like, why is this warehouse stocking these shirts? There is no need for this. Like, somebody had to to work their ass off to make sure that we got these fucking t-shirts like in eight hours. We didn't even I didn't even need them in eight hours. I could have done them. In a week but like it, it was free it was like free two-day shipping or free one-day shipping i'm like oh shit yeah why not of course if you're gonna give it to me free like it, it, it it's ridiculous the amount of stuff that they have in their warehouses and the amount of stuff you can get as quickly as you can it's so it's stupid the amount of stuff they can give you but yeah <laughs> i couldn't care less how much money jeff bezos has in his bank account all i know is i order a used copy of tecmo super bowl and i'm playing it like 16 hours later i mean it's just incredible so uh, yeah, i couldn't care less um but but yeah one more thing before we move on, um, uh, the hug was utterly ridiculous. I don't know where you stand on the hug. The, uh, oh, it, was, the, it was terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. I, I, and again, this is no longer pro wrestling. I don't know what this is. Um, they can call it sports entertainment, but the hug is Who could ever forget, Rich, um, a scant 11 days after Magnum TA tried to pry Tully Blanchard's eye out with a broken piece of wood in the I Quit match where they hugged it out. <laughs> and uh and, and i mean it, it's just it's just stupid you know it's a blood feud between becky lynch and charlotte if becky wants to give her spot in the match to charlotte because she respects her ability and all that that's fine but how about a firm handshake and a and a tug and staring her in the eye or how about she's upset that charlotte backs her way into the match again a fucking hug i mean it's just it, dumb and um you know, so it, it's, it again it you said the firm handshake and then just say like you know go kick her ass but then know that i'm here waiting for you when you're when you're done or whatever and then yeah just to pull away and just kind of a little push like that's what we want we want conflict like that's what we're watching this for is conflict i'm not watching this for people that that, that love each other you know what i mean because yeah, like, you both wear I, a I blue care. shirt i mean that that takes precedent over this blood feud that you just had when you tried to maim and kill each other i mean Again, can you just help us suspend our disbelief for 10 fucking minutes after the feud ends? Can we can what, you help us for 10 minutes? <laughs> I mean, please. Could you wait a couple fucking months before? I, I, it, just, it just blows your mind. You know, 
And then, and then one other thing about about the, the the Lana tweet, it's like there's such a dichotomy between Lana and what Becky Lynch and Ronda and Nia Jax are doing. But look, I mean, Becky Lynch grows up a wrestling nerd, has been in the wrestling business for 15 years or whatever it is, gets it, understands. Okay, uh, Nia Jax from a wrestling family again gets it, understands. Okay, let's make money out of it. Let's make an issue out of it. Ronda Rousey doing worked feuds in MMA for fucking seven, eight years or whatever it was, and being and being mentored by by Paul Heyman and and you know looking up to Rowdy Roddy Piper and clearly grew up growing up a fan gets it, knows how to turn issues into money, and it's like people like Lana just don't get it, and they're not teaching them. And, and that's the problem. And then it's also people like Lana, again, which also can't work or, or they can't wrestle either. So, you know, and then, and then they end up being, you know, dangerous and all these other things that we talked about earlier. So I just wanted to make those points as well. Uh, real quickly about the, the hug, and then we'll kind of move on to these previews that we have to get into. Um, I saw some people saying that it was like, you know, they did the character thing where, where, where Becky gave her the firm handshake, and then it was Rebecca, you know, hugging, you know, Ashley, and it was just like, well, I, do it at backstage, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be this curmudgeon or whatever, but it's fucking wrestling. You're playing like characters out there. Like, it's not that hard to, you know, go back there and like, oh, she was just caught up in the emotions, and maybe it wasn't them making her do the hug, but she just that was her friend, and that's what she just got caught up in that moment. Well, no, because that's bad for wrestling. Don't do that. Like, just don't do that. Like, that's nobody wants to see that. It's, it's just it, it's not. I mean, maybe some people do want to see it. Maybe I don't know. Like you said, I don't know what the hell they're doing anymore. This isn't wrestling anymore. Like that doesn't exist in a wrestling universe, but maybe it exists in whatever universe this thing is that WWE is doing or whatnot, where you know their characters one second and then the next second later they're hugging because it's Ashley and Rebecca and their friends or what I, I don't know. I don't fucking know. Who who knows anymore? But I did see that a lot of like, ah, oh, well that was just her getting caught up in the moment or whatnot, which, you know, okay. But then, you know, then she goes on to Twitter and then she's a character again. Like what what am I supposed to believe? What what are you? What character are you portraying? You have to tell me what it is. If if it's gonna be this this weird I, yeah, whatever. Who knows? <laughs> it's it's yeah. Brain power in the company already and Oh, let's All preview right. their two big shows then. Looking forward to it. Not using brain power. Let's talk about the shows they have coming up. I will start with the show coming up on Saturday. It's uh, Takeover War Games. So it's a uh, retrend of War Games. They brought it back last year after many, many years on the shelf. War Games is back. Um, so far, the matches we have listed, and I imagine these are now a final after the NXT show. Uh, Matt Riddle and Ono is showing up on uh, Wikipedia as a match showing up on the show, but I am under the impression that's going to be for the pre-show. Do we know that for sure, one way or another? I, I, I haven't been able to clarify that. All the information I have up to this point is that it's being taped for the TV the following week. That's what I thought so as well. So yeah, I don't know if like they didn't update it or if it got changed or someone heard something. But yeah, as far as I know, that is not a match on the actual TakeOver show, which is pretty ridiculous as well because they've been actually doing Build For It and it's a match that everybody's really looking forward to. So uh, of course, yeah, they'll find no, it. No, I mean, presumably if you're going to push Matt Riddle to the moon, there's no excuse not to have this match on TakeOver where more eyes will see it and it's right. in a high Okay, I do want to update it. It has now been taken off of the Wikipedia page. So somebody noticed that it shouldn't have been on there or whatnot. Yeah. So yeah, when I copy and pasted it, it was on there. But as of the time of this recording it is off there again because it is gonna be on the pre-show we know we know that so it'll you know it's gonna be taped for for future tv so uh there we go so no point talking about that match anymore so i understand you have a title match and a best of three falls match and a war games match and johnny gargano with his 40 minutes of fucking drama class i get it and so it's gonna be a lot of long matches on the show i understand that i i'm sorry i find a way to shoehorn riddle ono onto that onto the show I want as many eyes as possible on Riddle if the idea is to push him to the moon, which all indications are they plan on doing that. So right. 
And we know um, Ono would want it, would relish that opportunity to have Riddle go out there and just have a kick-ass match with him and put him over. We know that that's 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 Ono's mo these days, and he's going to have a kick-ass match, and they're going to he's going to put him over, and that's what it's going to be. But it's going to be seen by many less people on TV uh, and be chopped up into commercials and all that sort of stuff too. So it loses a lot of impact. Hey, uh, would um would anyone care if they took four minutes off of all the other matches and then put this match on the show? God no. I mean, is Alistair Black, Johnny Gargano going to be hurt if they cut four minutes off it? Is the is the fucking War Games, is the portion of the War Games match where they're just fucking throwing sloppy looking punches at each other and and looking for somebody to hug going to be hurt if you shave four minutes off of that? I, I look to me, I find a way to get Riddle and Ono on the show, but yeah. it's whatever. It'll air on NXT the next week. It'll do, uh, you know, I, who knows, 30%, 40% less viewers than the TakeOver does, I, I would I would guess, at minimum, and less people will see it. And it's like, here's the other thing, too. You don't even need Riddle and Ono to be long. I mean, Riddle's just going to beat them. And Ono's right. basically a high-level enhancement guy. He's So it's like, I'm not asking. I don't need them. Look, I'd love them to go get fucking 25 minutes, but... I think you can give them fucking eight minutes and it's fine. You can't find eight. You can't carve eight minutes out for this. Yeah, you, can, you can do 10 less Tommaso Ciampa staring at his hand and spots and like make up that time. You know what I mean? Like he'll still have the other 10, but like, yeah, only 10 Tommaso Ciampa staring at his hand spots or Johnny Gargano, like peering wildly into the, you know, the distance or whatever. And you'd be fine. Like you'd make up the time for it, but whatever. All right, we do have to talk about this week. Before we move on from Riddle and, and, and Chava, I just listened to it again. Yeah, I can't get over it. If you have not seen NXT TV this week, go out of your way and check it out. Matt Riddle does a promo, and um, I believe it's Kathy Kelly asks him something about his, his, his you know making his debut or whatever, and Matt Riddle says, I've made my debut, and yada, yada, yada. And and Joe, I know you, you mentioned it a little bit earlier off, off air. I watched it and had to rewind it like 16 times because I wasn't sure exactly what I heard. I thought because so Matt Riddle is, is, is talking about making his debut. He says, yeah, I made my debut. And I was like, what, yes. the, what, what, what are you trying? So I go back. I made my debut. Like, what is he talking about? I go back. I made my debut. Oh, he's talking about debut. Like, why does he think debut is pronounced debut? So now I, I have not seen NXT. I, I haven't been keeping up with it as much. So I wasn't sure if they're playing up the Matt Riddle is an idiot character. If that's like they realize that he's probably not a great promo, that he's a, that he's a horrendous promo in a lot of ways, that they were playing up that this dude gets high and he's an idiot type character. So then when Cassius Ono gets onto the screen, I'm assuming Cassius Ono is going to be like, but what are you talking about? You're dumb as hell. Like, come on, man, you're so stupid. But he doesn't do that. He's just like, hey, you're the new kid on the block. I'm going to kick your ass. All right, bye. And then they just cut away, and I'm like, "They, what's happened? <laughs> like, what the Matt Riddle?" So there, there's a lot of scenarios, and I, I want to, I want to get your take on it because we did not talk about it all that much. It, it was this an intentional line? Is Matt Riddle just has he never heard the word debut ever again, ever before? Did he see it on a line and just say, "I don't know what that word is. I'm just going to say it." Did he mix up? Like, what the hell happened? Where we got Matt Riddle saying, "I've made my debut," <laughs> and moving on because I need to know. I have to know, Joe. What the hell happened? Um, this was a scripted promo, and Matt Riddle has never seen the word debut spelled out. That's what happened here. Because I don't I don't think it was I don't think he was supposed to say debut. <laughs> I totally so. I, I, I was convinced. So like when you when when I rewatched it those 15 times, I went over many different things. I started off with the oh my god, Riddle's so dumb he's never heard debut before. He's never seen debut spelled out. Then I thought, no, it's definitely a character. It has to be a character. 
And then I went back to, no, maybe he's dumb. And then I, I definitely, when it was over, the, the 15th time I listened, I said, ah, they're playing, he's an idiot. The character is, he's a dumbass. And then when Ono got on the screen, Ono didn't say anything about it. And I was just like, ah, whatever. And then I ask you and I ask other people and they're like, no, I think he just fucked up and said to butt. So that's, uh, it, it, it is, it is something else though. He but, said yeah. but, and, and it's like all the time on the TV reviews, I rant and rave when it like, the, the the only thing about it is WWE is usually good about not letting shit like that get on the air. How did that make, how did that not get yeah? How did somebody not say hey whoa whoa the camera guy Kathy Kelly riddle himself somebody saying but I don't know if that's what you meant to say sir let's let's it's a pre tape it's not live I mean you could definitely just do that again I I am stunned that that made it out of the network. So that makes you think that maybe he was supposed to say but but he but the tone of the rest of it he wasn't supposed to say but. No, he he he's never seen the word debut spelled out, and he studied that script, and it was an awful promo. He oh he he's very My bad. Here, here's the thing. Awesome, <laughs> it was so bad. And I know he's got like the pot. Yeah. I, I know he's got the pothead thing going. I I get it, but RVD had the pothead thing going, and there was something endearing about his bad promos. Yes, there's nothing endearing about Matt Riddle's promos. They're just bad. And it's like, Kerry Von Erich had like the dumb jock thing going, where it's like the promos were bad, but he was such like, and it, they were bad in such a dumb jock way. Oh, you know, he they was were a hot, dumb jock that was just an idiot and didn't need to go to class. Like he didn't, he was stupid as hell because he was so attractive and good looking and great wrestler that he didn't need to go to fucking class. Are you kidding? He's not going to, Kerry Von Erich's not going to class. He doesn't know shit. Like he's allowed to be an idiot because he was so beautiful or whatnot. That, that, but, but yeah, that's how it kind of worked. Yeah. Yeah, the promos just came off endearing anyway, even though it was clear that. Oh my God. Go back and watch some of those world classes on. You're like, oh dear God. Like it really, now that you're sort of used to like good promos, and he can't even say five words without just like staring off in the distance, stumbling over his words, and just looking like he wanted to be anywhere in the world, but cutting a promo. But it worked. It worked for him at that time. No, but he always reeled it. He always unintentionally reeled it back in because he'd be stumbling over his words and he would lose his train of thought. And then he would just wrap it up with something like, but when I get you in that ring, I'm going to get you. And you were like, yeah, Carrie, you're going to get him. You know, you'd rally behind. It's like, for whatever reason, he, it was endearing and you got, and you, you would get you and you would get it. Same thing with RVD. Like RVD, I think he knew he was a bad promo. And eventually he just like leaned into the fact right, that and he would be like, hey, man, Hey, how's yes. it going, man? Like, what's going on, dudes? Like, Hey Kane, what's up, bro? Like, and it was just like yeah. horrible, but it was like, ah, oh, this is kind of endearing. Like, and it worked out. It was like, you, you knew that that was kind of the thing. And like, you knew they could maybe cut a good, but he wasn't that great of a promo anyway. So it's like, ah, whatever, you know, this is probably that, the best thing that's for what I, That's what I'm saying. I think that he, you, Rob. <laughs> I think he knew he wasn't good. And he just leaned into it and said, you know what? I'm not stoned right now, but I know what it's like to be stoned. And I'm just going to do an exaggerated version of that. And that's going to be my promo style. And it, and it ended up working. Matt Riddle, unlike those two guys, is just really fucking bad at speaking. And, you know, you get the butt. I don't know what else to say. I mean, he said he made his debut. It doesn't <laughs> get any worse than that. You know, and you knew it was a scripted promo because he opened up. By repeating her question, which is a WWE thing. Yeah. She said, well, you know, how has your experience been so far? And he goes, my experience has been incredible. <laughs> <laughs> how has my experience so far been? Because they're taught to repeat the question. Right, right, yeah. You watch any WWE stand-up promo, they repeat the last question that the interviewer asked because for whatever reason, that's what Vince wants, even though it's ridiculous and it's stupid. And if you, and if you never, but I asked for that because like I'm chopping them up in video and I'm not, you're not going to hear my 
side. I'm not holding a microphone right. in this. I want that person to say the reason we opened up our you know fitness facility is because of this. But I'm not also sitting there staring into space with a microphone. So that's yeah, that's a little bit different. Right. We hear Kathy Kelly ask. Yeah, we don't need it repeated. Yeah, exactly. There's no point in repeating it. And and if you've never noticed that, you're not going to be able to unsee it now. I apologize to any listener who has never noticed that. Because I've just ruined every single stand-up promo for the rest of time until Vince dies for you in this company because they repeat the question back. So that anyway, that's how I know it was a scripted promo. He's like, yeah. my experience been so far? And then he goes <laughs> into, well, I had a successful debut. And it's like, holy shit. He just – he phonetically pronounced debut. What is happening here? And, and again, like you said. They would never be that subtle. They're not trying to tell you. They didn't tell him, hey, Matt, mispronounce debut because we want to kind of plant the seed that you're kind of an airhead. And we want your character to be, you know, like a pothead who doesn't have it all together because they don't have a subtle. It's the subtlety hammer thing. You're right. Ono would have brought it up or the interviewer would have brought it up at that point. And like Kathy definitely does not bring it up. She goes, she doesn't go to butt. Like she just like goes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she's just like sitting there, like yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, good. And I'm just like, oh, all right. Like, like I said, it was really hard to kind of figure out what was going on, uh, and, and I was convinced it had to be. It just had to be an angle, and it, it absolutely was. And one of my one of my favorite interview tropes that we'll make, and then then we'll get into the actual previews, is the. Uh, uh, AJ Styles, you just won your match. How do you feel? How do I feel? I don't feel good at all. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like yeah. <laughs> I love the how do you feel? Like, how are you feeling after your win? How am I feeling after my win? <laughs> Every fucking time. It's so irritating. What I can't it, like once like once you realize that you cannot get that one out of your head, and that that is exactly the one too. The uh, you know, oh, you just you know, we just saw you out there winning. You know, how does how do you feel? Or how is you know how was that moment? How was this moment? This moment was great. Like, it's just, ugh. Do, do you notice too that um, his entrance theme is a terrible Muzak version of Regulators, right? And it's like he he uh, but but they they put like the bro like because you know they always have to give you that that impactful first note of any entrance theme so that the crowd will pop but he the way he says bro it has like 19 syllables in it have you noticed that it's It's oh and then the song starts (laughs) and it's like you you can't help but just feel like what they should do now is the song should start with the butt, and then the <laughs> song. Do it. Like we said, with Naya and Becky and Ronda, the best thing to do is just lean into it. Don't run away from it. The butt, it needs to be uh, the metal thing. The, the funny thing, and then and then then I promise we are done. Um, is he's not a horrible talker in the sense that I don't know if you watch any of those Kenny Johnson uh, mini docs that he had, but if you put Riddle and just have him talk about himself or have him just be a human being, he's actually a pretty good talker. Like he talk, you know, he he when he's being real and he's not reading something, he's he's not bad. Like I mean, his, his final promo or the final mini doc they did uh, in Evolve was awesome. Like he just went on and said, "Hey, you know, I do this for my family, and you know, it's it's I'm trying to you know make money and and and, and see my and, and it's just like it, it's genuine and like he you know he starts kind of kind of to cry a little bit, but it's like oh yeah, this guy can actually talk if you just make him just be himself and just be a human but man if this is this is the beginning of the scripted promo matt riddle era and i do not think it's gonna get any better than this it is it's gonna be rough it is gonna be very very rough the uh the matt riddle scripted promos but uh no need to talk about that um, well that's the what you're talking about there that's the dean malenko brad armstrong theory because supposedly dean malenko and brad armstrong were you know in casual settings are like these charismatic speakers who Mm -hmm. can crack up a room 
and own a fucking room, and it just doesn't translate the pro wrestling or their promos. Dean Malenko, I mean, they that's a that's another guy. Like they just wouldn't let him talk because he was so bad at it. And then Brad Armstrong is a guy who, if you remember WWE CW, they brought him in and he worked a couple house shows like as like the veteran. Let me work with the younger talent guy and then as an agent and then they tried him on commentary do you remember that because the, a little bit not much though because it didn't fucking last because he was awful because it's like he always had this rep of being like this great charismatic speaker and they're like well shit maybe he can do commentary and you know so maybe it's like that would like you're saying with riddle like you know it's just people just it sometimes just doesn't translate to cutting promos or public speaking, or a lot of people struggle with public speaking, even though they're, you know, uh, you know, again, someone who can control a room in a casual setting, and they just fucking freeze when if they have to speak in front of you know a thousand people, they can't do it, you know. So maybe this is just something with Riddle. He should really though just study RVD and study his promos and try to go in that direction with it, because I don't think he's ever going to be super smooth promo guy and that could be a like all kidding aside that could be a major barrier in this company Absolutely. yeah i mean vince will see that and and, and think ah oh, this guy sucks and you'll throw his headset down and that guy you know and that's it like you're, you're done if that happens so i uh, gotta be careful and even like i mean there's a, there's a standard of even the promos in nxt like we don't think of it as a promo company but there's a certain standard that guys have to sort of meet and and that was not it i mean that was bad <laughs> that was you know brutal. rich there there used to be a specific job a role that we had in wrestling to help in situations like this. Mm-hmm. Go on. I, f- I forget what they used to call uh, that job, that specific job where if a wrestler wasn't good at speaking, uh, someone would do their speaking for them, you know, and it really came in handy a lot of the time, hmm. you know, and it's, it's, they happen to have a hall of fame level. Uh, one of these guys uh, on their roster right now. Too. It's just amazing. You know, it's like, why would you eliminate that position when, it could do such a world of good, especially in situations like this. I mean, you you put the right manager, you put the right manager on Matt Riddle. I mean, it's fucking. But you know, I, I don't know. That's that's that's. It, it must remind Vince of the fucking territories or something. Exactly. Even though his yeah. own his, own his company. company was built on it, <laughs> like yeah. literally built on it. But yeah, of course. Even past the point when he owned it, it was still built on the Jimmy Hart's and the Bobby Heenan's and all that sort of stuff. But you know, it's the biggest ones we've ever had. He would have six on the roster at a time. He had Heenan, Jimmy Hart, uh, Johnny Valiant, Oliver Humperdinck, Mr. Fuji. I mean, these and they were all employed at the same time. You know, it's like you know, he he. It wasn't just his father with fucking you know Grand Wizard and Lou Albano and and all those guys. And and I mean, shit. Jim Cornette tells the story of 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 him in the Midnight Express meeting with you know Vince McMahon in nineteen eighty fucking six or whatever it was. And Jim Cornette's big concern was. I'm going to be like the third fucking manager in the pack. I'm going to go from being the number one heel manager where I am now to being like behind Bobby Heenan and Jimmy Hart and these guys who are really good at it on top of that and have tenure. And he had trepidations about that because there were so many fucking managers there and he's Jim Cornette. <laughs> he's all time fucking great. You know, so they not only employed managers for, for decades in that company, but they employed great ones and knew how to utilize them to perfection. And I, I just, I don't fucking get it. And then when they do have managers now, they can't, you notice they, they don't call them. They don't allow them to call themselves managers. No. Like what is Leo rush? Like what is his official title in, in, in Bobby Lashley's 
circle. I forget what his, he, he's exactly called. I don't called. know what he calls it. But, you know, like Heyman's advisor, Drake Maverick's an advisor or something like advisor, that. Advisor, Heyman's yeah. an advocate. And, you know, <laughs> they just they, they refuse to say the word manager, which I don't fucking, again, whatever. You know, back to the top of the show, who fucking knows? All right, let's get to the rest of this uh, NXT show here because there's some good stuff on there. We got Shayna Baszler and Kyrie Zane in a two out of three falls. Ugh. Uh, NXT uh, Women's Championship match. I think regardless of the two out of three falls, this should be pretty solid. I've liked every match that these two have had. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to this one as well, even with the the, the caveat of the two out of three falls, which, Joe, I'm, I'll be... I, I, if I'm, I'm not a betting man, but I'm going to guess this goes to the third fall. And if it does, it'll be interesting to see who, uh, who ends up winning. Do you think Baszler retains here? Because uh, I feel like Zane's kind of done with it the title now and it feels like it's kind of Baszler's but I don't know I guess there's a chance that Sane could, could win it right back I think it can go either way I guess it depends on what they want to do in terms of um, uh, calling people up and whatnot so and I haven't been clued in on anyone either one of these people potentially being called up so who knows um, I don't know I, I love this feud though it's my favorite thing going on in NXT right now because I'm not real hot on NXT these days but I really love the Baszler Sane stuff, and I'm really looking forward to this match. It's my, it's the match I'm looking forward to most on this show. Yeah, I was actually that was my hot take right there. Is that I am as well. I mean, this is the match. Uh, uh, even though there's some other better names in, in matches, and there's guys that I like a little bit more in in other matches, this one I'm I'm most invested in because I love the story, I love the match, and I like everything that those two have done. So it'll be really awesome to see. Uh, and, and we know they're going to get a bunch of time as well. We know that from there only being four matches on the show, so every single match here is getting tons of time, which would be great for these two. So I'm really really excited to see how this match. Uh, plays out. Uh, you have Alistair Black versus Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano was one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, but uh, Joe, I have zero fucking interest in this match. I have negative interest in this match. I don't want to see it at all. And I like, I like Black. I like Gargano. I hate the story. I cannot wait for this to be over. I, ugh, gross. It'll be. I'm sure it'll be a good match too, because Gargano is a great wrestler and Black's a great wrestler. The melodramatic shit. Oh, it's gotten even worse, Joe. I did not think it could get worse. It's gotten worse. It's so bad. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't really care about this match or the outcome and I hated the who done it. I thought it was hokey. I didn't think it fit the tone of NXT. I don't like the direction of Gargano right now. I think he just needs to get called up and they need to slap the reset button and he needs to be a fiery underdog babyface again. Um, you know, but what I'm going to do here is I'm going to attempt to allow myself to just enjoy it because I think it could be a good match. If it oh, no, the match is going to be good. Yeah, the match. I mean, it's going to there's going to be a lot of bullshit where they're, you know, sitting on the mat with their legs crossed and Alistair Black going, why'd you do it? Why'd you do it? And Gargano be like, I had to, you know what I mean? Like shit like that that's going to happen. But the, everything in between that is going to be great. Like everything in between that is going to be good wrestling. There's just going to be a lot of, you know, guys shouting at each other. And, and yeah, and, and I, stuff and I like can't that. deal with the cutting promos on each other during the match. I can't deal. And with you're going to get that. You know, you're getting that, too. You know, there's gonna be like 10 minutes or Gargano being like, I had to do this because of you like you know what i mean like just it's like oh my god yeah you know, and gargano could be a heel we've seen it i mean we, we, we were yeah. doing the show oh, no. he was oh, a great yeah. heel he yeah. was one of the best heels in wrestling and we were talking about it and nobody was watching of all or, or, or tgusa at the time we're screaming to the high heavens you know back in 2014 of oh my god this guy's the best heel in wrestling go out and watch it but not be not by being a melodramatic you know i had to do it because i've turned to the dark side and yada yada yada, yada. it was he was just cocky asshole you know, guy, evil, you know, heel. And, and this, this, I, I don't know. It's, it's like you said, hopefully it's only a short term and then he kind of shakes it off and goes right back to what he was. Cause I think that's the long term play of him as a, as a big time baby face. But yeah, this, uh, this whole melodramatic stuff is, I could do without it for sure. 
Yeah, I don't need Nikki Cross jumping around the ring going. I know who did it. I know. I what know. I know. I fucking cannot stand. <laughs> oh, NXT's been oh, terrible God. lately, man. That's the NXT's been really bad lately. <laughs> like, let's be honest. You know what I mean? I like NXT and this takeover. We say never bet against the takeover. When it's all done, this takeover is probably going to rock, and there's going to be a lot of good matches. But NXT TV has been shit lately. It's Real and, if, bad. and 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 it's like an hour that feels like three hours. It's just such a slog to get through it too. It's like. I turn it on. I turn on 205 Live, and the runtime is 43 minutes, and I enjoy every fucking minute of that 43 minutes. And then I turn on NXT, and the runtime is 59 minutes, and it feels like it takes a week to get through it. It's yeah. just, yeah. So I, I'm not really in love with the rest of the stuff we're about to talk about. All right. Well, that's, that'll make for a great preview here. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa defending the NXT Championship against Velveteen Dream. I cannot really get a feel for this match whatsoever. I have. I don't know if you're different. I don't know if people listening are different. I am not interested in this at all. And I, I Dream's a guy who I, you know, I, I, I like, and I think he's a he's a great prospect for the future. Ciampa is a guy who I've I've seen many many times and enjoy. I don't like the current NXT character, but man, I should be way more excited about this match because they're two guys that I enjoy more times than not. I have no feel for this match whatsoever. What what, what is your take on this? Well, Ciampa's in the same boat as Gargano, where I'm just not into him right now, even though I like him a lot as a wrestler. Um, Dream, look, I'm indifferent on Dream, which means I think I've been very fair about him every step of the way. When he stinks, I tell you he stinks. When he's been good, I tell you he's been good. I think that, um, you know, he's, he's, he's someone who is in developmental who belongs there and because you know there is um, a ton of potential there but he 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 does need time and developmental to to uh you know smooth out the rough edges and i i can't get a read on this either i mean look here's the thing about it it's a takeover which means if you bet against it you're a fool um you know it's hard you can't come into these shows you have to give the benefit of the doubt um you know the matches are 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 put together well and and they and the talent treats these shows like little mini wrestlemanias so yeah i mean if you're putting a gun to my head i think this is going to be a great match but could i see dream having one of his off nights could i see these guys not having good chemistry now i did read something that they've had house show matches and they were excellent so that bodes well um but you know dream is someone who gets a little over ambitious at times and and can be a little sloppy and just have a bad night. We've seen that, and we've seen him do that with great workers. We've seen him do it with Cassius Ono. And if you could have a bad night with that guy, you could have a bad night with anybody. So who knows? Um, big spot, though, for him. And, um, you know, I, I hope these guys knock it out of the park, and I hope it's a great match, And uh, but we'll see. Yeah, and then uh, the final match, the War Games, uh, Undisputed Era, it's Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and Roderick Strong, of course, versus Pete Dunn, Ricochet, and the War Raiders, Hanson and Rowe. So, uh, again, kind of similar thing that I'm going into this match not really enjoying the story all that much. I mentioned that I'm not a big fan of the, the characters of Undisputed Era and NXT, but of course, you look at the names in this match, I think it's going to be pretty goddamn awesome. It's got Adam Cole in it who, who delivers in these spots, especially in kind of a plunder match. I mean, that's his forte for sure. You got guys like Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly who are great wrestlers. Roger Strong, obviously a great wrestler. Pete Dunne, you know Ricochet is going to do some crazy stuff, and the War Raiders are uh, you know, great workers as well. So all things considered, like I'm not into the story of this match much, you know, all that much, but I think the match itself is going to be very good and has a chance uh, to be one of the best war games of all time, uh, given the names that are in there. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, the, the, sometimes the, the stipulation kind of drag it down, but I thought last Last year's War Games match was pretty solid with Sanity and, and Disputed Era. I think this one has a chance to be a lot better than that, given the workers that are in it. So where are you at with this one? 
I don't love War Games matches. We've talked about it before. I think some of the historically, some of the War Games matches to me are some of the most overrated matches of all time. I just, I think they're egregiously long, and I think what they always have are super memorable spots. You can recall memorable spots from any high-profile War Games match throughout history. Uh, they always manage to have some memorable spots in them and some uh, cool-looking stuff, and I think that kind of, um, you know, helps smooth over, you know the first 12 minutes of a typical war game match, which is boring as fuck. Um, you know, and, and, and it's like, this match is going to be wild. It's going to be insane. It's going to have memorable spots. It's going to have crazy spots, especially when you look at who's in it. And at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be one of those things where, yeah, I'm probably going to enjoy what I just watched. And I suspect like most war games matches, um, I probably won't like it as much as other people do. And my God, do I sound like a curmudgeon, but I, I that, that's just, you know, like, like the Starcade 92, like people think that's like the greatest match of all time. Like I think it's an average match. Like I, I, I never could really get into that one. And um, I know Mikey Falcone's going to kill me. It's it, but I, I, I don't know. I just, it, they, 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 it, there'll be memorable things that will happen in this. And I'm not as down on a lot of the characters in it as you are. I like the fact that Pete Dunn just doesn't get along with anybody. And he's kind of this lone wolf. And I have a feeling that that's going to work into the finish. Cause he's not getting along with Ricochet and, there's no obvious person to take a fall here. Um, you know, uh, maybe fish on the undisputed era side is someone. And, uh, you know, on the, on the baby face side, I guess it would, I think, you know, maybe Dunn and Ricochet would have some, uh, miscommunication or, 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 you know, end up coming to blows and that would cause the fit. They're not going to beat the war Raiders right now. Um, I don't even think individually, um, Oh, I guess they beat Hansen in the match to determine who wins the coin flip, right? Right, right, yeah, yeah. But, that, but yeah, then I, I, then I think and... I don't think they're going to go back to back with, with, with Hansen taking falls like that, though. So that seems yeah. That and seems it was also just stuff. a lot of distraction and bullshit mm-hmm, in that mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. They were all in the ring so. at that point, yeah. So it doesn't quite count as clean. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe they do that, but yeah, I don't really have a quite feel for who's going to win this match all that much. But uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it, all things considered. But I, I'm, I'm similar to you as well. War games matches don't do a ton for me, but there are some that that deliver, and I think this one has the opportunity to be in that rare, rare class that delivers. But yeah, like like you said, by and large, most of them. We did that project last year where we went back and as a site reviewed all the old war games, and and you can find that on the website too if you just look up War Games Week um, at, at Voices of wrestling you can see we did it and and kind of everybody came away with that same conclusion of just like yeah these you know they're, they're not that great it's like there's some that are good and there's a lot that that aren't very good but uh yeah there's there's the few the handful that are good but i, th- I think this one has the chance uh, of getting it at upper echelon but we'll see when it's all done but did, uh, I, say, that's, that's, did I say did i say starcade 92 because that was a battle bowl show wasn't it the so you're talking about the, the like the pillman sid yeah, the that Dangerous one? Alliance versus um Yeah, that was oh, what was that? Starcade. That could Starcade it was not was Starcade. I don't remember I don't I don't remember you saying Starcade, but uh maybe you did. Oh maybe all right, um, well, maybe I'm burying myself for no reason. It was Wrestle War night. Wrestle War. Wasn't it Wrestle yeah, Wrestle War. War. Maybe yeah, I said Wrestle War. Did I say Wrestle War or Starcade? I guess we'll I find out. I don't remember it. now. I don't know. Maybe you said, yeah, whatever. We'll have many tweets where everybody paused right after you said Starcade 92, if you did, to tell you you were wrong, and, and then it's Wrestle War, and then, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about Dangerous Alliance versus Sting. And right. Wrestle War 1992. We have clarified that, so that's you can delete your tweet now. So there you go. <laughs> that's it. So that's, uh, that's TakeOver War Games. As you said, don't bet against the TakeOver. It's probably going to rock, even though we're uh, maybe down on it. But that that has been, I think, for the last three years, Joe, we've gone into every TakeOver being like, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't like this match. And, and then it all fucked rocks so that's fine i can't uh, bet against get... takeover they're, they're, no, they're it's gonna be great. great shows yeah 
All right, let's get to uh, Survivor Series here. I think we can do this pretty quickly. Uh, we got uh Cruiserweight Championship match. We got Buddy Murphy versus Mustafa Ali. We don't know. I don't think this is a pre-show, though. I don't think it's been designated as pre-show, but I imagine it finds its way there, uh, even though this is yet again another six-hour pay-per-view or whatever. It's another one of the long pay-per-views they're going to have. So uh, we'll see. Hopefully it doesn't because they've been doing some great stuff, uh, both guys. Uh, hopefully it makes it to the main roster. But gosh darn it, on these five-hour shows, you just don't have room for these matches. So darn Maybe, maybe next time, guys. But uh, <laughs> any thoughts just, on Murphy it, and Ali? Yeah, I mean, I'd be way more excited for it if it was on 205 Live because you just never know what you're going to get when they move these to main roster shows. Mm-hmm. Um, are they capable of fucking knocking it out of the park and having the match of the night? Fuck yeah, they are. But, um, you know, we'll see if it gets mucked up with sort of the, uh, the, the true main roster influences and we'll see what happens time-wise and all those sorts of things, so... All right, so you have this match, which is just an ungodly mess on the pre-show. It's a five-on-five Survivor Series tag team elimination match, which was endearing back in the day when everybody was standing outside the ring, but uh, seems like it'll be going to be a clusterfuck here. So, all right, I'm taking a deep breath here. All right, Team Raw is Bobby Roode and Chad Gable, The Revival, which is, of course, Dash Wilder and Scott Dawson, The B-Team, The Lucha House Party, uh, and The Ascension. And they're against Team SmackDown, which is The Usos, The New Day, Sanity, and the colognes. Oh, and also Luke Ellis and Anderson are on SmackDown as well. And then there's like weird combinations because, of course, like three of these teams have three members or whatnot. So Lucha House Party can be Lindsay Dorado, Kalisto, or Grand Metalik. Sanity can be Wolf, Young, or Dane. And then, of course, the New Day can be Biggie, Co- Kofi, uh, and or Xavier Woods. So it's just a complete disaster of a match with a lot, a lot of people and a lot of names and a lot of people I don't really care about. So, yeah, I don't know. Do we have to talk about this match? I don't think we do. So. You, sir, I, are a disgrace. <laughs> You're a disgrace. Okay, I love the five-on-five, five teams versus five other teams, the traditional Survivor Series match, when there's like 20 guys outside the ring and when you throw someone... Yeah, but it's... Everyone has to die. I don't give a shit. No, no, I do. I love this. I, I, I am looking forward to this. I love when they get whipped into the ropes and everyone has to dive out of the way because there's too many people on the apron. And I, I, I'm into this. I think it's funny that they like kind of sort of called up Lucha House Party, but really didn't. And it was just so they could even out the sides in this match. <laughs> no, that's why they called them up. Right? Oh, of I course. Mean, oh, of course. You yeah. know? So and and I love I love the fact that the fucking Ascension and the Colognes <laughs> and, and fucking Eric Young are getting on a pay-per-view card here. I mean, I, you know, you got fucking Carl Anderson. Carl is one of the potentially one of the best, you know, five years ago was having incredible matches in New Japan. Now he's fucking giving hot tags to Primo Cologne. <laughs> five five. How about this on the Bobby, pre-show? Yeah. How about this Bobby Roode, Chad Gable team that was oh, uh, together uh, recently. So, <laughs> um, look, yeah, the match is meaningless and all that, but I'm looking forward to this. I, 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 it, there's, it's like, I like, an underutilized bottom of the prelim level talent uh, gets thrown on pay-per-views like this. And um, I love the absurdity of having a 20 person match. I mean, more than that, like you said, three of these teams have like three members. So there's going to be all kinds of people outside the ring. Rich, this is going to be a fucking cluster. I don't know why you're not looking forward to this. Uh, I hate, I I am nothing if not a noted Survivor Series match hater. So, um, This is the annual tradition of me, you know, you being a lot more excited for these Survivor Series matches than I am. Joe, there's like 100 people in this match. How many fucking schoolboys? How many pinfalls are going to happen when they're at a commercial break talking about Survivor Series? Like, so there's got to be, there's got to be 10 of these eliminations are going to happen when they're like talking about Survivor Series, you know, or, or, or cuts a commercial or whatnot. I, 
you're, you're starting to sell me on it a little bit because it is madness and it is chaos, but uh, I, I'm, I'm going to need a little bit more than that. We'll, we'll you know the other great on. thing about matches like this? You're going to have 20 people dying to get attention on themselves for the 30 seconds that they're in the ring. And I love watching wrestlers try too hard. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, remember when they, when like ECW and WCW combined on that fateful night on Raw? Mm-hmm. And you'd have like Tommy Dreamer and Chuck Palumbo and whoever all trying to like get into the camera frame and mug it up for the camera. <laughs> You know, you, you know what I'm talking about, like. Yeah, that always happened only- anytime during the alliance when like Stone Cold was out there cutting a promo and like Sean Stasiak's yeah. like getting as close as possible to try to you know get yes. in frame and hey, I'm here, yeah, Sean Stasiak guys. There's nothing more entertaining to me in a scenario like this than wrestlers desperately seeking attention when they very briefly have the cameras on them. When yeah, it'd be funny to see Bobby Roode and what he's going to do in his 30 seconds. You know what I mean? Like, he's got 30 seconds to wow everybody. Go out there, Bobby. Like, like, some <laughs> won't care. Some won't care. Others will be desperate to impress. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I, I like watching those kind of mechanisms take hold, too, in, in scenarios like this. So this looks like a total fucking clusterfuck, and I am here for it. All right, so we have a uh, tag team match with uh, two of the uh, tag team champions of the different brands. AOP, uh, the Raw Tag Team Champions, versus The Bar, the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. What do you think about this guy? I could Listen, another team with three men. You could get the big show involved in here somehow, right? Isn't that the deal with The Bar? I, I mean, I don't know if they're doing Freebirds rules, but... I don't know if they're doing Freebirds rule. I think he's kind of the de facto manager, but you, you might be right. Maybe they'll, they'll do a uh, you know change in the last second and, and want the big men against the big man or whatnot. So there's a possibility they'll do Excuse that. Excuse me, but He's the advocate. Okay? Oh, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. He's, not the, he's not the manager. Uh, yeah, so now we get into the portion of the show where all the champions are facing each other. So mm-hmm. I think the bar are so much better on paper than in reality. I, I just – they've had good matches. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. But, but again, I, like I, 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 I used to expect them to have great matches, and I don't think they ever really – maybe there might be one or two I'm forgetting, but they always seem better on paper than – like in theory than in reality yeah like this match sounds good or whatnot and then you watch it and like that that's experience i pretty much have every time i'm done watching them where i'm like oh yeah and like even during the match i'm like yeah that was pretty good and then when it was over i'm like yeah that was all right and then i just kind of forget about it and then everything about it ever again like that's they haven't had like those knockout drag out matches that you would sort of assume that they should uh and and they're they're obviously capable of doing and, and, and they've had a few times here and there but yeah it doesn't doesn't quite deliver to what you think it is uh most times but uh, we'll see how this ends up going uh you get a five on five survivor series elimination match with the women oh sorry do you have anything more on aop and the bar i was just gonna say the bar is volador in new japan <laughs> right right yeah <laughs> right we're like oh volador versus uh you know <laughs> robbie eagles that should be great it's not at all yeah it's just not good at all uh all right team raw Versus Team SmackDown this is a five on five Survivor Series elimination match. Team Raw is made up of Mickey James, Nia Jax, Tamina, Natalia, and Ruby Riot. What a unit right there! Uh, versus Team SmackDown, Carmella, Naomi, Sonya Deville, Asuka, and to be announced. Joe, this match sounds horrible. There's a lot this... of bad workers. Oh my god, I didn't really oh, realize until god. I was reading it off. My god, Mickey James and Asuka have their work cut out for them. Oh boy, Ruby Riot as well. Well, oh here's boy. the thing. This is bad. Asuka stinks too. All she does is throw hip toss, like the fucking right rooster fucking hip throws at people. I mean, this is so bad on paper. I mean, it's horrendous. You've got Nia Jax, Tamina, <laughs> Natalia, oh, yeah. oh, Carmella, God. Carmella, Sonia Deville, 
Asuka, who doesn't care anymore. That's six horrible people. You, you didn't even mention, there's going to be three people meandering around the ring with Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, and Sarah Logan just wandering around ringside. So there's going to be a thousand people outside. There. And I, I think Mandy got, Rose is the TBA, but I, I assume that that's the TBA, but I don't know. Maybe well, that's not exactly fucking working up my yeah, fucking I was going to say, that's not going to help. Yeah. Who gives a shit about Mandy Rose? I mean, this looks horrendous on paper. This yeah. looks so bad. You know, which, you the hope- juxtaposition of this coming like a month after you know evolution which is a great pay-per-view and it's like how is this the best you could come up with like there has to be better people right and somehow there's just not so this is the match that has the rapid fire eliminations you get rid of carmella you get rid of tamina you, this is where you want your roll-ups you want the rich crates roll-ups and the best you can hope for is it comes down to like ruby riot and Asuka or something and then they have a good five minute fucking closing stretch i mean it's the best you can fucking hope for uh, but the tba i mean if it's a big star or something i don't know what they got i, I don't know but it just fucking looks like sh- absolute fucking yeah bullshit. this i didn't realize until i was reading the names i was like oh god <laughs> that's that's gonna be that's gonna be a thing there but uh, now we got the men's five on five survivor series elimination match you got team raw which is dolph ziggler drew mcintyre braun Strowman, finn balor and bobby lashley uh, versus team smackdown the miz shane mcmahon ray mysterio samoa joe and Jeff Hardy. Okay, I don't usually like Survivor Series matches, but I'm all here for the Team SmackDown. Miz, <laughs> Shane McMahon, Rey Mysterio Jr., Samoa Joe, and Jeff Hardy. I am here for that. So, what do you mean? I, These I, are all fast friends. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That is one thing. I'll, I'll admit, I am a Survivor Series match hater because the matches themselves kind of suck. But I do enjoy the, you know, the, the the random collections of of human beings on the side of the ring that have to work together. Um and try to survive. You know, of course, the teams of five are striving to survive, Joe. But uh, The Miz, Shane McMahon, Rey Mysterio, Samoa Joe. I can't confess the Rey Mysterio and Shane McMahon combination. I don't know. That that just tickles me for some reason. And then, like, Samoa Joe and, and like, the like I don't know. I, I, that team is pretty incredible. But uh, what do you think of this match? We don't get the late 80s promos with me and Gene anymore where the four or five guys – pretend to be like hacksaw jim duggan and and brett hart both holding two of a sudden as hacksaw jim duggan's pal i mean why it doesn't make sense and, yeah, no, and of i love the slapping you know, the shoulders too that's my favorite part of like rubbing their shoulders yeah, the like all <laughs> yes. oh, right yeah all right we're, we're gonna do it brett hart's like yeah 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 everyone's in the background just like slapping him and like you know you know rubbing his you know <laughs> traps and stuff i love those promos <laughs> coked out fucking promos they're great rubbing the traps you're so they right. are like, they're always doing that yeah they walk because the one guy has to come from the back to cut his promo so like bret hart takes a step back jim duggan takes a step up and then like bret hart places his like his hand on his traps and starts to kind of rubbing them while the you know while jim's cutting his the, promo it's great that's rugged ron garvin's that's rugged ron garvin's job to fucking rub right. traps while everybody else talks you know right. there's a lot of trap rubbing and fist pumping and fucking just sounds coming out of people. And you're right. The like three out of the five are always coked up. Like you could always spot the guy like Hawk is always coked up, you know, and it, it, you don't get that anymore. Like this Miz, Shane McMahon, Rey Mysterio, Samoa Joe, Jeff Hardy team, five total misfits. We should be, we, they should be rubbing traps and, and we're not going to get the trap rubbing. And that's, what's disappointing here. But I will say this, this raw SmackDown match, usually is like 50 minutes long and it's usually pretty good we always talk about it in the review and we're like wow that was pretty good even though it was an hour long you know like so i, I kind of have faith why am i even doing this i have no faith <laughs> you're gonna over deliver or it's gonna 
can be terrible. <laughs> I'm trying to spin anything because we've been so negative on the show. We have been, so yeah. Like, to we got to get to this Big Japan show that we really enjoyed, so we got to get to that. Quickly, and again, so. this is another match with two advocates. Every match on this show has 19 people at ringside fucking, you know, with Baron Corbin and Leo Rush in this case. Yeah, see, you so. wanted managers? You got them, Joe. They're all on the side of the ring. They're just not managers. They're advocates and associates. So, um, yeah. yeah. All right, now the uh, three matches I'm, I'm looking forward to all on, on, on some different levels here. You got uh, Ronda Rousey, of course, versus Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair taking over for uh, Becky Lynch. Uh, definitely less interested in this match because I think Becky is, is is much better than than Charlotte, and and I think the Becky uh, uh, Ronda Rousey match sounds awesome to me. But Rousey and Charlotte's okay. Like I, I I see the one thing that a lot of people brought up is this the right time to do this match because this feels like another one that you can have in, in, in on, on the back burner. You can have your holster. It feels like on five days build going to this match seems a little I, I don't know. It seems a little short sighted to me. What, what do you think about it? Well, Rich, you're doing Brock Lesnar and, and Brian Danielson on a five days. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I mean, you're right. Why am I thinking? Just go this, on. You're right. You're right. This isn't again. This it, this isn't a pro wrestling company, and we need to. I know. I'm listen sorry. They yeah. tell us. So I mean, and look, and to be fair, they were really put in a tough spot here. So from that perspective, I kind of can give them a break on the Charlotte Ronda Rousey match uh, being burned off here. But again, does it fucking matter? No, it doesn't. Really, it, doesn't. It, it, it doesn't. It speaks to them not having a lot of options as well, where you have to go right back to Charlotte. You know what I mean? Because like yeah. you can't. Because I heard a lot of people being like, "Why not Oscar?" And it's like, "Have you seen? Have you watched like the last eight months of TV? Like you can't have she's a, she's a comedy Asuka in the main events. Like she's a comedy." And that's the problem is you don't have you have like five people that are serious, so that if anybody has to get replaced or you need to push somebody up, there's no one to go. There, who else on the women's roster could have a comparable main event level style match with Ronda Rousey? There's nobody. There's nobody. I mean, people think Naomi. Asuka's, people think put Naomi up there. Like, what are you gonna do? Yeah. People think Oscar is something she's not. I mean, no. it just let it she go. Losses and hits is, people with her ass. Yeah, that's all she does yes, now. Like, that's that's <laughs> what, let it go. Oscar's done. The Oscar you knew in NXT is done. And honestly, we told you that when she was struggling to beat perpetual jobber, uh, you know, uh, Tennille Dashwood, whatever her name was in this company. Um, so it got off on a bad foot, and it it got better for a little while. They did the undefeated thing. But you know, Oscar's dead. You know, yeah. it's over. Oscar Cesaro, just forget it. It's it's done, it, and it's never going to happen. Um, no, you're right. So I, I, that's why I give him a break because they they were in a tough spot here. That's fine. The one that's egregious is Brock Lesnar and Daniel Bryan. I mean, that's a match that everyone has wanted for the last fucking four years and and beyond. And because they rushed into the Daniel Bryan thing and decided three days before it was going to happen that he was going to turn and win the title. We're getting it on, you know, with no build whatsoever. And and look, I get that builds don't matter in terms of drawing money anymore. I get that. I get it doesn't matter from that perspective because of the network and all that. But it does still matter in terms of drumming up our interest in a match. Entertainment. Yeah, the entertainment level in, in interest is, is definitely lessened versus if we had these guys, you know, doing a feud or building this thing up for 30 days or even two months or whatnot. But and you're yeah. doing what Becky and Ronda are doing. You know, right. that's what we, you know, it's like, and we're not going to get that because it all got thrown together on fucking three days notice. So, you know, it's yeah, a bizarre company. What's the love? Uh, thoughts. One more match. And then uh, real quickly though, your thoughts on, I, I've seen this kind of making the rounds as well. What do you think about uh, Paul Heyman possibly turning on Brock Lesnar and siding with Daniel Bryan? Do you like it? Hate it? What, what are your thoughts? If that uh, potential thing, uh, again, I, no reporting. It's just people kind of uh, a theory. That's a possibility there. Do, do you have any uh, lead any credence to that? Or, and, and would you enjoy it if it did happen? Um, I'm sorry, Rich. I got distracted because Gabe Sapolsky's on Twitter marveling 
at the idea that old out of print ROH DVDs can go up to like a hundred dollars a pop in used bookstores and on eBay. And, um, it's just Twitter is so bizarre. Modern, the modern fucking world is just fucking bizarre where this conversation is really happening before my eyes. I was, I saw um, that a little bit earlier. He wants somebody to buy it from him and you know, I might slide those DMS. There's a few I could, I could definitely use. So that's, so so anyway, what was, what was your question? Because I got caught um, up with that. Paul Heyman is the uh, advocate yeah. for uh, Brock Lesnar. Uh, any thoughts on him? Potentially, I've seen this rumor kind of floating around, or not this rumor, kind of this fantasy booking of Paul Heyman turning on Brock Lesnar and siding with Daniel Bryan. Would you like that? Uh, do you think there's a possibility that could happen? Where, where do you kind of stand on that rumor that's in, making the rounds? I don't know. I've been hearing about Paul Heyman turning on Brock Lesnar and. <laughs> like three years now, yeah. I remember he was going to turn on him and, and side with Roman Reigns at like five WrestleManias ago. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Maybe that would be interesting. I I don't know. Um, oh, we should we should really just be done with this Survivor Series. Let's let's we got to we got to quickly move on. Don't even Seth Rollins, Shinsuke Nakamura, Intercontinental Champion, United States Champion, Joe. Oh yeah, well it's Nakamura, so it's going to stink. So it, it, you know. <laughs> now now should by all rights, I mean maybe he'll have a fucking random renaissance where he decides no, to no he's not why would he do that i'm trying, trying to be balanced i know i'm sorry i you're right i shouldn't try to be balanced because where where what evidence is there that nakamura is going to go out there and knock it out of the park we have none um the gabester who was on the show last week is in full fucking shoot mode here oh he's shooting he's shooting on dave he's shooting on ROH, he's he's off the rails. It's I enjoy he's throwing it. shade at Meltzer. He's like, uh, you know, this would imply that Meltzer watched some Evolve or any WWN for that matter. I don't know the context of that tweet, but um, wow, firing shots. You know, what I think he was supposed to be on. I think he was supposed to. He was. He was on Wrestling Observer Live. He was with. He was with uh, Brian though. He was not. With, no, but that's uh, what I'm but... saying. I think he was supposed to be on with Dave, and then oh, he ended yeah. up on Wrestling <laughs> Observer Live. <laughs> Yeah, I bumped to a, a 15 minute wrestling observer live on the Sports Byline Radio Network. That's uh, correct. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, oh boy, but uh, yeah, well received interview last week. We had a lot of people, a lot of good feedback on that, and I enjoyed it as well. So hopefully, we're, we'll hopefully do some more of those uh, in the future. But we heard a lot of good feedback from uh, from Gabe, from people that listened. Uh, a lot of people enjoyed the interview. So good yeah. stuff. So thank you everybody for uh, for your follow up and, and feedback. Uh, for that, all right, so that was our uh, great two hours on WWE. Why do we do this to ourselves? We don't know because we have so many other good things to talk about, uh, but we have to do it because we do it anyway and we're masochists. All right, let's move on to, uh, speaking of masochism, I guess, in, in a lot of ways, Big Japan Sumo Hall Show, Joe, from this last weekend. Uh, you saw the entire card. I saw the uh, the back half of it, so the kind of the big matches. Uh, overall, before we kind of go match by match here, what did you think of the show from top to bottom? Because I've heard some really uh, positive reviews and positive remarks about everything on the show. So what, what, what was your, kind of your take of it? Uh, very good show. I can't call it a great show because there was no great match, but it was a very good show top to bottom with top of the card and even a couple of the prelims, actually, some very good matches. I mean, right there at the four-star range floating around that area. There was a couple matches in that neighborhood. Um, a lot of stuff here that's just not for me, but um, yeah, but overall, I enjoyed the fuck out of watching this entire show with the exception of one or two matches, which I had no use for. But um, yeah, very good show. All 
All right, uh, how do you want to start this? Because like I said, I, I saw kind of the back half of the match, the final four or five matches. Uh, do you want to quickly take us over the undercard, or do you? Yeah, think I could do that. Yeah, maybe, maybe do that, and then we'll kind of get into uh, more discussion when we get to the last uh, last half of the show. Yeah, so the undercard. I mean, it opened up with three tag matches, and and there were a lot of name value. Uh, There's some name value with these with these tags. I mean, you had uh, Takuya Nomura, you had Daishi Hashimoto, you had Kamatani, you had Fuminori Abe, and all three of the matches. Uh, delivered for their slot on the card. These were all entertaining tag matches to open the show. Um, the, the the best of which was Nomura and Abe beating uh, Koju Takeda, not to be confused with Takeda on the business end of the show, and Shinobu, where Nomura, he just pops off the screen. You know, and and, and he's a guy who who they really need to continue to push uh, and, 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 and groom for the top spot in the strong division. I know he had the match with Hideki Suzuki earlier this year where Suzuki kind of schooled him, but that's exactly how that match should have played out at this stage of Nomura's development and all those sorts right. of things. So, but Nomura eventually, um, you know, has to be the guy. And there's just a, I, I, I'd love to give credit, but I can't remember who it was, but somebody compared Nomura on this show to like early Kenta in terms of the way he moves and works and the ferocity behind his strikes. And that's a very good comparison. Um, so he really popped in that match. And then, um, you know, I thought uh, Kakuta and Uto beating Hashimoto and Kamatani was a very solid tag, too. So I enjoyed all three of those. Then we kind of got into a sleazy part of the show. Uh, the eight-man tag with the Brahmin brothers, they are my least favorite wrestlers on the planet. And I'm not – no hyperbole. They really are my least favorite wrestlers. I cannot stand them. Uh, you know, Kojika's a 1,000 years old and, you know, uh, you know Koshinaka and all that. So the eight-man tag with a lot of totally unfunny comedy. The Brahmins are never funny with their bowling balls and all the other bullshit that they do. It's just not for me. It's garbage. It's, um, you know, it, it's very similar to when we talked about the DDT show. A lot of that stuff is never going to land with me. I don't find it entertaining. I cannot stand the Brahmins. They're always an instant skip for me. I did skip them here, but then I ended up going back and watching the match anyway. Since it was the only match on the show that I didn't watch, I figured why not be a completist and just watch the fucking thing. And I regret it. It was seven minutes of my life I'll never get back of uh, absolute garbage. And then there was the barbed wire board death match, which, look, this was the first of three death matches on the show. It was an undercard death match on a big Japan show. If you've seen one, you've seen them all. It was fine. Um, you know, there wasn't a ton of particularly charismatic wrestlers involved and you know, yeah. I, I, what do you want me to say about a barbed wire board death match undercard match on a big? I mean, <laughs> right, you know right. exactly what it is. So, um, if you're into death matches, I'm sure uh, you know you'll enjoy that. But it was, you know, it definitely didn't knock my socks off. And then we get into the business end of the card, which is where Rich, I think, can jump in. Rich, did you watch the Kawakami uh, Okabayashi match? This was the Okabayashi return match from the injury, and and to me, it was it was. Uh, Arguably the best match on the show. Did you see this or did you jump in? I did. No, I did. I did see this one. Yeah. Once I saw Kobayashi, I, I forgot that he was coming back on the show. And I know we talked about it a little bit and we did a preview at Voice of the Wrestling, but it wasn't until I sort of started to scroll through and I went, oh my God, that's Okabayashi. And I was like, oh shit. And then I went back and, and made sure to watch it. You know, I really enjoyed it. And he's awesome. You, you know, and, and I think it was uh, our, our friend Alan Forel that mentioned that uh, some years back, you know, he got hurt and, and had missed a bunch of time. And then when he came back, he had like arguably his best year ever. Uh, and maybe this is the precursor to that as well, that now he's back again and, and, and on pace to have a, a great year because he has been missed. Like, I, I, you, you don't really realize what you have until it's gone with Okobayashi. Now that he's back and you see how great he is, no, this was awesome stuff. And I like that he lost too. I mean, that, that we talk about that where I love the idea of a guy that returns. You know, they do it in such a good manner where, you know, they, they should, you know, it's their first match back or whatever. They're trying to, you know, scratch off the cobwebs or, or shake off the cobwebs, I should say. So I enjoyed that part of it, but he looks great. And, and I thought it was a pretty solid match, all things considered. 
Yeah, in Japan, you're going to lose 99% of the time in your first match back from an injury. I mean, that's just the way they do things. And I, I love I love that they do it that way. I love that story of you got to like, you know, you got to get your mojo back. You got to mm-hmm. shake the rust off. You got to get back into fighting shape, you know. But uh, this was very dramatic down the stretch. And um, to me, you know, I, I liked that match and two others um, fairly equally. And I, it'd be really split in hairs to pick a favorite match. To me, that's arguably the best match on the show. We had the uh, second death match on the show, which was for the tag team titles, a tables match. Uh, Ryota Hama and uh, Nakanue successfully defending the titles against uh, Takayuki Ueki and Toshiyuki Sakuda. If you notice, Rich makes me talk through these shows because he doesn't want anything to do with pronouncing these names. Um, <laughs> look, this was fine. I thought, obviously, it had the big table spot at the end where they dove off of the um, the balcony or whatnot and uh, and put the dude through the table. Um, you know, this was better than the barbed wire uh, death match earlier in the show, I thought. And, um, you know, with death matches, I kind of put them in three categories. Um, you know, like one category is it's shitty wrestlers who are the bottom of the barrel who can't really do anything else. So they resort to death match. And, you know, I don't care what context you put shitty wrestlers. If you're shitty, you're shitty. And whether you're maiming each other or trying to have a straight match, it's probably not going to be good. And I hate those kind of death matches. They do nothing for me. I don't like watching unskilled guys in, you know, T-shirts, sleeveless T-shirts and cut off jean shorts hitting each other with light tubes. It does nothing for me. Um, Then there's uh, the second kind of death match to me, which is I watch it with bewildered amusement where it's fine and it puts a smile on my face and I go, those guys are crazy. And that was kind of fun. And that's what this match was to me. A bewildered amusement death match, you know, and then you have death matches that are just fucking awesome. Like most of the Takeda matches have been during his title run. And we'll get to this one here, which are just legitimately great matches. So those are the three kinds of death matches for me. And this tag team match falls into the second category. What'd you think of this? Yeah, I thought it was, um, I I thought it kind of stunk, but it was in a way where they kept it nice and quick like you said it was kind of that one category where the the what'd you say the uh the amusement bewildered, bewildered amusement. amusement i think that's probably where i'd put it it was it was shitty guys having a shitty death match but then it became kind of fun and and i kind of enjoyed it when it was all said and, and like you know what i mean it was only about 10 minutes or so so it wasn't like it dragged on too long and it wasn't like they dragged every single spot and and made them so ridiculous so yeah no actually actually all in all enjoy the match and yeah bewildered amusement is probably the best way to describe it so so i enjoyed it i didn't love it but yeah it, it, it was fine so we had the junior title match, and this fucking rocked. Oh, it's my match of the night right here. This oh, well, okay, great. So yeah, it was Kazuki Hashimoto defending against Yuya Aoki. He wins the match. This fucking ruled. I mean, I knew, you know, I, I knew when you were going to stand up and pacing your down. There was one spot where I was like, oh, I know Joe loves this match, and like I hadn't talked to him about it yet. Uh, Hashimoto basically put Aoki away. Uh, he goes for a pinfall. Aoki kicks out at one. Yes. Kick out one. I know you love a kick out at one. So Hashimoto's like, you motherfucker. So he tries to go for another pin. Aoki kicks out at two this time. So then Hashimoto's just like, you fucking asshole. And then just stretches the ever living shit out of Aoki until he yeah. t- taps out. I loved it because he was just like, you fucker. I put mm-hmm. you away. You know you're done. You're fucking, you're, you're toast. And he just stretches him beyond. Like he's got his leg. Like, ah, oh, I've never even seen a, a, a submission this brutal. I just, oh my God, it was so great. And I knew that you loved it because it wasn't like the kick out of one that a lot of people kind of eye roll and, oh my God, this is perfect. Because it was like he had nothing. Aoki was done. And then he kicks out a two. And Hashimoto's like, the fucking, how dare you kick out a two after I just, I knew you, I put you away and then just stretches him and he taps out of me. I knew that you loved that. 
at that yeah, point. But it, the prior to that was incredible too. But oh yeah, it it was a well placed one count kick out. It, it was just a, a fucking stubborn kid showing fight once he was beaten, which were the best one count kickouts really. And then yeah, I thought he was gonna rip a limb off of him. I mean that was just fucking brutal. I mean it was one of those I, I can't even describe the fucking hole that he had him in. But um, yeah, either that or the Okabayashi match for me uh, were match of the night. And there was another match that I have um, on this show in the same category, but let's keep going here. We had the... Uh, Real quick, I was going to say, uh, Hashimoto is a guy that I've seen before and never really been all that impressed with or never really liked. Was there something about this? Because did you come away with that way too? Because I was so impressed by his work in this match. And he's a guy that I've seen before and I've always, you know, sometimes I've enjoyed it and sometimes I've just kind of said, ah, whatever. But man, I came away being like, this dude is a fucking star. This guy's great. Like, was was I off uh, out to left field here? Have I been missing the boat on him? What, what's what's kind of, what can you describe about that? Or, or, or kinda, I'm, you know? I'm indifferent on him. I, I, I mean, it's just a, a fucking wrestler to me. I mean, you know, I, so I don't know. I just think they had, they went out there and had a great match. I mean, I think, you know, sometimes that fucking happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a real strong opinion on Kazuki Hashimoto one way or the other, to be honest with you. So I uh, can't really give you anything on that. Um, I guess there were four death matches here because we had the, um, I miscounted because we had the, uh, the Madness Massacre Returns Battle of Killing Weapons death match, Rich, uh, with Abdullah Kobayashi, Ryuji Ito uh, defeating uh, uh, Jockey, uh, Numazawa, and of course the crazy monkey Jun Kasai. So now we're getting into the business end of the card where you've got some charismatic dudes and some stars and some people you're real familiar with. And um, the best way I could describe this match is it sure was a Madness Massacre Returns Battle of Killing Weapons death match. It delivered. It was a uh, death match it was. Now, I didn't love this, but... <laughs> I thought it was what, what the shitty wrestlers one that you mentioned. I know that like Juke Asai is pretty solid and and what got some charisma in there at least is what I'm there saying. Was charisma, but it was it was pretty shitty. <laughs> I yeah, I mean I'm being diplomatic. I, what I was gonna say was, and I'll let you bury it. What I was gonna say before I handed it off to you, but you just were chomping at the bit to bury this fucker. <laughs> was um, I think that if you're a big deathmatch guy, you probably really like this, especially mm. if you're a fan of the people involved, but. This was losing my interest. It's the kind of match where it's like I keep looking at my phone and I have to keep reminding myself to pay attention. And it's just it wasn't. I don't know. But uh, go ahead. I think you hated it yeah, a lot more than I did. Sometimes get a little too unless it's like a big main event. It's just like all right, guys, let's let's go, let's yeah. go. And 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 uh, past uh, you know draft pick of mine, Ryuji Ito. It's just so bad. He's yeah. so fucking terrible. Yeah. He is so shitty. He can't do anything. He's like a fucking brick. Like what are you doing? Like just. Oh my god! But Jukasai was fun, and that was interesting. And they had a pretty cool hype video before uh, as well. So no, I mean, I enjoyed the. As you said, it was it was charismatic for sure. Kobayashi is, is definitely charismatic. Uh, Numazawa is, and and and, and Kasai is. It's really just Rujito that fucking stinks. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was. It, I think the biggest thing, like you said there, where it was just like you know, ten minutes in, I'm kind of like, all right, I'm. I think I'm good. Like you guys can go home now. And then those last five minutes were just like, all right, guys, let's go. And especially knowing what was coming up on the show, and I was really anticipating the final two matches. So I was like, let's get the show on the fucking road, guys. Let's go. So I think it probably just lasted a little too long. But all in all, it was indeed, as you said, a Madness Massacre Returns Battle of Killing Weapons deathmatch. It definitely was that. But uh, yeah, maybe just a little bit too long. So Daisuke Sakamoto defeats Hideki Suzuki for the strong title. Rich, did you watch the time limit draw they had earlier this year? Uh, you know, I don't think I did. Okay. Uh, I was, I, people were talking about it, and I don't recall that I did. So no, I don't think I, I ever You didn't. It. You didn't because just by the way you're talking, because that match fucking sucked. I mean, when I say that match sucked, this isn't 
Joe Lanza just doesn't like Hideki Suzuki. No, everyone agreed that that match fucking saw every universal. This blew the fucking time limit draw out of the fucking water. Like this was a legitimately good match. Um, you know, right in that four star range, three and three quarters, four somewhere in there. Um, maybe a, you know, it wasn't as good as the junior title match and it wasn't as good as the Okabayashi match, but it wasn't that far off. And, um, we got the title switch. I did not watch it spoiled. So I didn't necessarily know that Sekimoto was going to win the title. And, um, you know, I thought it was a enjoyable fucking, you know, beefy match. What did you think of this? Yeah, I uh, I really liked it. I was uh, so yeah. I guess I did not see that first one because I really would have buried it. But no, I thought this was really solid. I think the result was fine, and I think you you got and we talk about it all the time that the thing that really annoys us about Hideki Suzuki sometimes uh, is the perception of effort in matches. And it's like you can tell he, when when he thinks that a match is beneath him, and some people say, "Oh, it should be beneath him because that guy that he's wrestling isn't as good of a wrestler." But yeah, I don't I, you know? No, nah, I'm out there for you. You're out there to entertain me. You're out there to have a, a good match and make me believe and make me do all that sort of stuff. This match felt like he knew it was kind of a big deal. Sakamoto worked it like they were at a fast pace. So I thought Suzuki had had a great match because he was working at a very high pace. He was working with some some purpose, and he was really kind of doing some really fun stuff throughout the match too. And Sakamoto is Sakamoto. So I I was shocked. I enjoyed this as much as I did. I kind of went into it going, okay, here we go. Let's see. This could go one of two ways. And it went the most positive way. I thought this was really, really good. Definitely my probably my third match of of the ones I've saw, of course. You know, I didn't see the undercard all that much, but uh of the of the top five or six matches or whatever, definitely the third best behind uh, uh Hashimoto Naoko and the and, and the Okabayashi match, but uh really good though. Really, really solid match, all things considered. And I thought the uh, the right result too with Sakamoto winning and defeating Suzuki to win the uh, the, the the world uh, the strong world uh title as well. Yeah, you know, the strong title, it's it's kind of been, you know, they, they tried some experimental things the last couple of years, and and Suzuki is what he is. I think this could be an interesting new slash old direction. It's not like Daisuke Sekimoto is a spry youngster by any means, but uh, it, it's, you know, they haven't really built this title around guys like Sekimoto and Okabayashi in a while. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see a fresh new direction for this belt. I think clearly Nomura is, uh, is the future. And uh, well, I'm curious to see now. Now, Big Japan, look, they're booking particularly on the strong side um, of, of the ledger because the death matches have been carrying the company is notoriously awful. So you just hope they don't screw up the kid, and and you know, um, and then we'll see what happens from there. So the main event, of course, was the death match. Like we said, the death match has been carrying it. Now we should say it showed you 3,800 fans of Sumo Hall. Uh, a significant jump from last year's show, I think, did 3,100 or something like that. I think the year before was 3,200. And the first year they ran this show, I think it was like 3,600. So it's their best number yet in Sumo Hall. And look, that's Takeda. Masashi Takeda is a hot act. He's been a hot act. He had the long title reign with the great matches. And uh, that man drew, uh, you know, the biggest Sumo Hall crowd that Big Japan has ever done. So I think I could safely uh, – do you agree with that? I don't think the Suzuki. Well, I mean, it looks, oh, there's no question. Yeah, I mean, maybe a little. Sekimoto challenge it for the strong title. Look, we can't completely disregard that. No, course, no, no. But you shouldn't. But Takeda is is. I mean, he's a legit. Right. I mean, if you want to make a wrestler that you're candidate for, or you know, advocacy for Takeda, an argument for Takeda, I would listen to it because I mean, you, you've seen Big Japan, you've seen the match that he's done, and the shows that he's done have done better ratings. You've seen him travel, you know, uh, you know, to the U.S. to do some stuff. You've seen him have just great matches, as we said from time and time again. Like, no, I think he's. Maybe not the sole reason of it, but I think he's the most significant reason for for it doing the best numbers it has because we've seen that reflected in some other numbers as well throughout the year. So I think it's unquestioned that he, he's a big part of that. Yeah, and he drops the title here. I didn't love this. 
is fine. Um, to me, I, it was the and I've watched a ton of his matches. To me, it was the least interesting match title match he's had in Big Japan, aside from the the Abdullah Kobayashi match, which I didn't like at all. Um, so it's on the lower end of his, and I haven't seen them all, but it's on the lower end of of his Big Japan title matches that I've seen. Um, it wasn't bad. I can't sit here and tell you it was a bad match. And it was, you know, it was above average, but I didn't like this as much as the Suzuki title loss. I didn't like this as much as the junior match or the Okabayashi return match. This to me was either the fourth or maybe fifth, maybe the Nomura tag. I really liked it that much. Fourth or fifth best match on the show to me. And then after that, after those five, you really have, you're starting to get into some average stuff and some below average stuff. But uh, what do you think of this? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I maybe not to the extent that I've enjoyed a lot of other uh, Takeda matches this year. Cause he's had some like legit, like match of the year contender matches, like things that we've talked about and come on the yeah. show and said, Oh my God, you go out of your way to watch this. This is not one of those. This is probably the tamest matches he ever had that he's had, you know, uh, of, of this recent run or of recent vintage, probably the, the, the least intense of all those matches. There was a lot of spots that were a little just mistimed or didn't quite work, or maybe a full on botched or whatever. It just didn't have that same sort of intensity, speed and, 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 and brutality that some of his other matches has had, but I still enjoyed it. Cause I think he's that good of a deathmatch wrestler. And I think he's that good that, that he can make a match that has a little bit of warts on it. That, that isn't perfect. He can still make that pretty entertaining and pretty fun so i thought all things considered i'm probably at a low end four for it like maybe a four stars or whatnot but i mean i came in with super high hopes because this year he's just had like tremendous he's had legit five-star matches you know what i mean like matches that are, are, are as i said match of the year contender levels uh matches and, and i assumed you know given the main event given the high stakes that this might have been another one of those it wasn't it wasn't quite at that level but but i enjoyed it all in all i i, I wouldn't put it above the, uh, the the junior title match at all it would definitely be probably firmly my second uh, or third favorite match on the entire show uh, of what I saw, at least. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It just didn't quite reach that level that he's reached all you know this year or whatnot. So uh, yeah, there there are better Takeda matches this year to to, to use uh, if you want to make a case for him as a, for anything at the end of this year. But uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah. I, the, the the Asami Kodaka match that'll be a top five match for me by the end of the year. I mean that's oh, great. Yeah, that's um, uh, June twentieth. If people want to go find that one, that that's one of the best matches to take place on the planet this year. I mean, it's just a tremendous match. And the Junkasai match, I liked a lot. Um, I, I thought it was, I thought this was better than the, the, the Kobayashi match, but um, th- this had a lot of things in it that I, that are just, that I don't like about death match. Um, th- this one with the, the Takahashi title win here. And yeah, there was a little bit of sloppiness. They kind of blew the, um, the power bomb through the, 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 the table on the outside of the ring spot. They had to redo that. Um, and look, it's not a big deal, but it takes you out of it for a second. You know what I mean? It's it's little things like that. So uh, not the best example of Takeda this year. If you hear people going on and on about uh, Masashi Takeda and you want to see what all the hype is about, this is not the match that I would send you to. So No, certainly not. But uh, I think uh, one thing before we move on to other topics there, what do you think of obviously the title getting moved off of him and what's next. I mean, that's 449 days. He was champion. I mean, it's August of 2017. He won this title and he now just finally loses it. Uh, you know, what, what sort of next for him, you know what? Cause he's not a big Japan rostered guy, if I'm correct. Right. He's a freelancer technically. Right. I think so. I mean, he's worked other promotions this year. He worked the all Japan junior tag tournament. And- freedoms. Uh, I know he did. Yeah. yeah as you said, yeah. he's done. So, I don't know what 
technically his home promotion is. I, I, I assume that cage match would have that listed, but he works, he does work in a ton of different places. Um, it could be one of those things where he's had it so long. I mean, who's, who's left to defend it against. Right. Um, they might just be out of stories to tell with him as champion. I'm not going to pretend I follow big Japan on a day in day out basis. I mean, I follow it close enough to where I know what's going on and who the champions are and what the general tone is. But, um, is my finger on the pulse of their booking? Like it is for, you know, six or seven other promotions, probably not. So I might be the wrong person to ask, but it's probably just one of those situations where he's had it for so long and he's defended against everybody. And this is your big show. And if you want to put it on, um, and if you want to put the title on Takahashi, this is the place to do it in front of your biggest crowd on your highest profile event. So, um, you know, they did both title changes here. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, he's had 11 defenses of the title. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, That's quite a few. And I, I, if I remember correctly, I don't have it up, but I think our, our, our previewers, John Carroll and, uh, uh, and Taylor both thought that, that there was a very good chance that he was going to lose the title here. So I, I think it all, for people that had their finger on the pulse a little bit, it, it, it felt obvious and it felt like a good time for him to lose it. So that's fine. I just don't want him to go away. Cause I, I think he's awesome. So he, he's my connection to deathmatch wrestling and we are nothing if not a deathmatch show now. So, uh, oh, he's, you know, obviously he's been in big Japan. I don't know if I think since God, the early two thousands or whatever, not the early two thousands, like the late two thousands, I should say. Uh, so I doubt like he's, he's done in, in, in big Japan or whatnot, but I just hope that he's, he's still kind of in the mix. Cause I think he's, he's great. I mean, he's really, really good. So I just want to see him, uh, as much as humanly possible. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that's, the, uh, the June Kasai match in fact was a freedoms match. Now that I think about it. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That is right. Hmm. So, you know, th- those are, to me, my two favorite Takeda matches of this run. The Kodaka match, of course, and then the Jun Kasai match, which I'm looking through my notes, and yeah, that, that was a Freedoms match for sure. So um, so there, that speaks to your point. He's kind of wrestling everywhere. I went four and three quarters on the Jun Kasai match. I mean, I thought that was fucking great too, but uh, the Kodaka match, that's one that the Osami Kodaka match is a match where if you want a full picture of the year of 2018 in wrestling, I think I would call that a must-watch match. You have to watch it. It's certainly a must-watch. Yeah, it is. It is. It is a representation of one niche of pro wrestling at its finest, at its yes. absolute best. And, and you cannot tell the story of 2018 and, and, and be a comprehensive wrestling fan without watching that match or, or watching, watching match. something of Takeda. Yeah, no, it, it's absolutely a, a, a must watch of this year. You have to. And and I, I'm a guy, again, it turned us into a deathmatch show. Like I went into that match going, oh my God, another deathmatch that everybody hypes up that I'm not going to love. And I came away going, oh my God, I need to see more. I love it. It's incredible. So yeah, uh, yeah I went to a fucking uh, game changer show not that long afterwards because I was so hyped up from it so yeah it's uh turned me into a deathmatch guy for sure so um all right yeah so that is the big japan show so definitely uh, i think highly recommend it on your on your end i mean i'm gonna actually go back and watch some of those uh early uh, undercard matches because i'm looking at them now in only about eight minutes i mean that's not bad you know i get three of those undercard matches and done in you know less than an hour less than a half an hour jesus yeah i'm, I'm all in on that so I'll yeah just just that up, but. get it just get out of there before the brahmins i know you're not gonna like that no god i would <laughs> why would i do that and and the barb the first death match isn't it's it's a nothing match too. But yeah, the three tags, particularly the second two. But there's no reason not to watch the first one either. Like you said, they're all seven minutes long. Yeah, so that'd be cool. And then yeah, the last half of the card, really good stuff there. I mean, you got the junior match, which Joe and I both put over pretty well. Uh, there's some intrigue, I guess, in that the uh, Madness Massacre returns battle killing a weapon death match. I didn't love it. Joe enjoyed the care the charisma of the guys, but then uh, yeah, the final two matches. Even though you didn't love the main event. 
I think there was enough there that is, is definitely watchable in only about 20 minutes. Uh, and then the strong match, uh, the, the the strong title match, you should definitely check out as well because I think it was really yeah. good. So yeah, all in all, thumbs up for uh, uh, Big Japan Super Hall Show. So go them. Well, Rich, um, we've got one topic left. We do. Which, which means I have a question for you. Uh-oh. I'm ready. Ready to answer. Ready, ready for that question? Yep. Let's bring it. Rich Crage, the captain. Are you ready to go bouncing around the Indies? Go ahead. And we start with Evolve. We had Gabe on last week. He was setting up uh, his show in Detroit, his show in Chicago. Big reset button has been pushed. The NXT influences upon us. And uh, I got to tell you, Rich, I did see the top three matches on the Evolve 115. Was that the first show? That was the Detroit show? Uh, 115 was the first show, yes, in, in, in Detroit. And then 116 was the Chicago show. Right. So I haven't had a chance to see the Chicago show yet. And I haven't had a chance to see the entire Detroit show yet. But I saw the final three matches. I saw the Street Profits successfully defend the Evolve Tag Team titles. This is also bizarre. Against uh, Anthony Henry and J.D. Drake. I saw Fabian Achner, as expected, defeat Cassius Ono. And I saw the unsanctioned match, Rich. It was unsanctioned. A.R. Fox defeats Austin Theory. When a match is unsanctioned, does cage match counted as a legitimate match? Is it on the books? <laughs> I don't know. No, I, it's not. They have to delete it. Yeah, I don't even know why it was there. I, I found the it on cage match, but it shouldn't be on there. Because it is unsanctioned, un, unapproved. They had to have uh, what hold harmless agreements. That, uh, yeah, that they... Gabe and Sal could not be <laughs> represented for yeah whatever. So uh, how were how were those three? Because I, I have not seen anything of the Evolve Weekend unfortunately, which I'll get to in a, in a bit. So why I did not see the show in Chicago, but uh, yeah. But uh, what would you think of those final three? Red hot crowd in Detroit. I'll say good. that. Okay. Um, look like a healthy crowd as well. Street profits, Rich. I got to tell you, this was like no other street profits match I've ever seen in my life. Did they, they, they worked indie style? And they fucking killed it. I mean, this, I, this, hear that. I am glad. This Street Profits versus Anthony Henry and JD Drake match was worked at a breakneck pace. Totally non, it was not like an NXT TV style match or what I presume they're doing on the Largo loop. There was no grab and holds. My God, it was just, this was an indie style WWN Evolve style tag match all the way with a hard pace and good action and even Angelo Dawkins who we buried underneath the earth <laughs> I mean he, he was clearly uh, to me the least impressive person in the match but he did not stick out like a sword thumb you know and um, Montez Ford his charisma carries over on the, you know on an indie show and and Henry and Drake course are solid guys the workhorsemen and i was very surprised at the style of match that the street profits worked and then that bled into fabian ochner defeating cash Sono. they went out there and just beat each other up for i you know I, I assume it was like it felt like it was about 12 or 13 minutes might have been a little longer but that's what it felt like and you know eichner you can tell that the crowd is kind of still warming up to him they don't really know him very well the fans and the idea here was for Ono to, to help get the guy over. And they had an, a tight little match. And, and they had one flub at the end. Because Eichner kind of does like a spinning 
power bomb, sit out power bomb as a finish. You know what I mean? Like he'll pick the dude up and rotate him and then hit a sit out power bomb. And he had trouble getting Ono up initially. So he kind of had to, you know, he dropped him the first, not dropped him, but couldn't get him up the first time. And then he had to work a little harder to get him up the second time. And then he hit the finish and put him away. So that little flub, you know, was unfortunate. But other than that, they had a hard hitting match. And I thought Eichner looked great. And I think given some time, the, the thing with Eichner is I know like he's an excellent wrestler. He does he's a, he does impressive things for his size. I worry about him connecting with crowds. That's where I worry about Fabian Eichner. Crowd connection and mm-hmm. charisma issues. That's where I'm worried about him right now. I know he can work, and he had an excellent match with Ono and all those sorts of things, and he looks great, but there are some... But look... That's why these guys are working these shows. Okay, this is why, you know, because we, we heard it straight from Gabe's mouth last week. He wants to give people a chance who could use this sort of extra work, work in front of different crowds, build their resumes up, and do something a little different. So, But, but again, I, I kind of do agree with the other thing that Gabe said was maybe they rushed it on the Eichner too quickly. It seems like it would have been better to have him work up from the bottom of the card. Win a squash or two, because he's an impressive-looking dude with some awesome-looking offense. Then beat some mid-card guys. Maybe they should have built up Eichner a little bit for that Shane Strickland match instead of beating him right out of the gate, because I do see some issues with crowd connection with Eichner. I will say that. And then the main event was AR Fox and Austin Theory, so they main evented with, you know, I guess homegrown evolved guys, if you want to call them that. The unsanctioned match, Austin Theory getting out of his comfort zone a little bit, wild brawl all over the building. It was okay. Um, you know, it, it was a good match. I think I preferred the other two matches to that one, though. And um, and away we go with Evolve. I did not see the next night. Rich, I cannot report on the 0-1 USA World Junior Heavyweight title match. Number one contendership match. <laughs> number, number one contender. One contender. Not, not actually for the title, buddy. No, just the number one contenders match. And that will have USA you World know. Junior Heavyweight title match. That's right. And I will have you know, Rich, that Matt Nix did find his way onto this. <laughs> he show. found a way, that, that little shyster. He found a way in a better spot than he would have been if he was in the freelance match. He got in a better spot. Not Maybe not. Well, I don't know. Deeper in the card, I guess. I mean, he was, he was the old, you know, fourth from the top. So that's, that's not bad for old Matt Nix. Yeah, he found a way. That's uh, persistent, yeah. that Matt Nix. So that's, you know. And I didn't see either Mustafa Ali match, but I'm definitely going to make it a point. They see they did a ref stoppage with Darby Allen. So I'm yeah, I'm interested to see, to see that. that. Yeah, I'm game. very, very curious. I saw that result and was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, but uh, unfortunately, yeah, I've not had a chance. It's been a busy, busy week. So hopefully, uh, be able to watch those those matches. Maybe we can report back on a future week when we, we get time to watch them. But yeah, there's just so much else going on this weekend. I did not get a chance to see those. Unfortunately, uh, you're probably wondering why I did not go to Evolve 116. And, uh, do have to apologize to Gabe a little bit because I was hoping to go to that show. But instead, Joe, as we move on to our next topic, I went to AEW because, and you can blame the nurse for this one, we were, uh, she was playing around with her camera and we ended up going to a, uh, there's a state park uh, out in the same area. It's about an hour and a half away from where we live and she was going to take photos of the fall and all that sort of stuff. And it was, you know, we were done with that and she said, oh, you know, she asked me, I don't know why, I, I don't know what got into her mind or what possessed her to do this, but she said, hey, is uh, AEW running in LaSalle today? And I was like, oh. <laughs> like they are and 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 this is the you know the second to last show that they're going to do in LaSalle and we were already in that area I mean which is already pretty far away from our house so we decided since we're fucking already an hour and a half away from our house and AEW's running in the back you know we're a minute away from where we were why not go to AEW so we went to AEW that night so I uh made my final show at the uh, Knights of Columbus but uh yeah overall a pretty okay show I think the uh 
bottom half of the car was actually better than the top half. I'll kind of go over the results here real quick for you. Um, Six-man tag match, you had Cody Rice, Mike Hartenbauer, who's a local guy. Is, uh, he's retiring once uh, the South shows are done. Uh, and Paco defeat Buck Nasty and the Hooligans. That's, uh, of course, Devin and Mason the Cutters. Uh, you know, kind of solid comedy match. It was just a lot of comedy, so I'm not going to really get into that. That's Cody much, Rice. But... Oh, you know. What you think yeah, exactly. It's Cody Rice, who's a fat guy who you know dances and, and rubs baby oil on himself. Yeah, and he wears a bow tie. Uh, Hartenbauer, I don't think, tagged in at any point, so I don't know exactly what he was doing or why he was in there. And Paco's like the local, you know, trainee that's kind of moved up the ladder and has become kind of a, a consistent performer as well. So pretty cool. And the Buck Nasty and the Hooligans are just like your classic like redneck heels or whatever. So it kind of worked uh, pretty well for them. So uh, you had a four-way tag team match. It was the best season in the world. This is Davey Vega and Matt Fitchett, and they defeat Connor Braxton and Stephen Wolf. Uh, Dante Leon and Sage Kanan and uh, Dion Russman and Joe Asa. So, yeah, not uh, not a lot of huge names in there. Not a lot of guys that you may know, but some local towns. Uh, it's been getting some opportunities, but uh, Vega and Fitchett uh, look pretty good here, uh, and this was a pretty fun match. I'll just get to Braxton and, and Wolf doing a little bit more of their uh, kind of heel spiel uh, here, but uh, yeah, uh, Davey and Vega. How about this? Give me a synopsis on the four guys who don't even have cage match profiles yet. What do you yeah, think so of? one, so I think it's Joe Asa. I forget who it is. Joe Asa looks like a dollar store, like Roman Reigns. Like if Roman Reigns is stopped working out, uh, that's I think that's Joe Asa. I don't I actually don't know the difference between them. Um, I'm gonna be honest. I watched them a few days ago. I don't remember who Dante Leon and Sage Kanan were. I'm gonna do a quick little Google search because I don't remember what those guys looked like at all. But uh, yeah, Joe Asa and uh, Dion Russman—they both look like they look like like dollar store gorillas of destiny. You know, they have like long hair. I, they're obviously Samoan uh, of some descent, but yeah, they look like they look like uh, no way uh, family members in, in some way, shape, or form. I don't know if they actually are. You though, don't. But, uh, uh, you don't sound too impressed with any of these four men. They didn't nah, they were kind of bad. <laughs> yeah, they were kind of bad. Uh, yeah, I'm looking. Just at wondering the if there was some potential here. You see anything? Or you know, I wasn't mm, looking. Nah, you could probably. Nah, All right, so I think you could probably move on. Yeah, there was nothing there to get into to look at. All right, so then we get some good matches here. AEW Heritage, number one contendership three-way match. You have DJ Z, Myron Reed, and Trey Miguel. This is, of course, you hear those three names, and you go, oh, my God, this is madness. And it was. They were diving all over the place, jumping all over the place, doing crazy stuff, jumping into the crowd. It's just a really fun match. DJ Z picks up the win. Uh, but, yeah, really, really good. This probably, I don't know, I want to say my favorite match on the night. There's one coming up in a little bit, but uh, definitely right up there, probably my number two match of the night. Uh, that was followed by a match that uh, wasn't as good. It was Quinn McKay defeating Alley Cat. And Joe, I know you've seen Alley Cat before. I, I hate to do it, but she's so bad. <laughs> she's horrendous. <laughs> I know you've buried her in the past. Yeah. She is so bad. I, I The nurse is my barometer. You know what I mean? Because she doesn't watch this stuff. She's not a nerd like uh, me. That match was over and she goes, that girl kind of sucks. And I went, yeah, she, she does. And she always like asked me if like, oh, was that, does she always suck? Or is this like a, cause like it might, you know, there's an off night that she might have or whatever, but she's always the barometer of like, hey, that wasn't any good. Is she usually bad? And I was like, uh, she's usually not great. And it was like, ah, uh, yeah, she's not very good. So yeah, that's uh Alley Cat is um, not great at all. <laughs> so uh, AW Heritage title match. You have Trevor Lee defeating Rich Swan. This is a really hot match. Uh, Trevor Lee cut some promos at the beginning that were really good. You know, just talking about you know putting down the crowd and, and talking about his. He d- he does the wrestling rules gimmick in in AW yes. where you know he wants you know no DQs and all this sort of stuff where you know or, or disqualifications are, are are you know can be called and rope breaks and all that sort of stuff because AW is kind of none no rope break no DQ none of that stuff. So kind of right. cool to see him cut that promo and, and the crowd was hot for it. And Rich Swan is great at getting the crowd hyped up as well. He was doing his dance to you know Lionel Rich 
Fauci for about 10 minutes before the match started, which got everybody going nuts. And, and yeah, it was like molten heat for Trevor Lee and then huge positive uh, reactions for Rich Swan. So this was maybe not better than that Heritage title match, but uh, or the Heritage number one contendership, but uh, right up there too. And, and the crowd heat was off the charts for it. And uh, Trevor Lee gets the win. Uh, I forget exactly. He did it by some nefarious means, but I'm blanking on what it was now. I saw a lot of wrestling this weekend, which I'll get to uh, in a sec. Now for my match of the night, Lucha Brothers, uh, Penta and Phoenix uh, versus the Rascals, which is Desmond Xavier and Zachary were once. Awesome, awesome, awesome match. You know those four guys. You read off those names. You go, oh, my God, that had to be great. It was. It was really, really good stuff from both of those guys. So um, definitely if you get a chance, uh, check that match out from the show. Uh, really good and, and, and molten hot crowd as well for that uh, and guys diving all over the place chops and, and just exactly what you would expect from all those four names so really really good stuff so right deliver there. to the expectations give me the stars rich give me stars the stars for that one uh let me give it a four for that one i'll give a okay. four for the lucha brothers uh the heritage number one contenders uh match i'll probably i'll probably do a three and a half for that one so it's definitely it's definitely a step below but still pretty solid but yeah i'd go four for the lucha brothers rascals uh, then you had uh, MJF versus main uh, was it Mance Warner? Mance Warner, uh, as you pronounce it there. MJF, Mance Warner. Um, well, they're good promos. I'll say that both men are exceptional promos. And That's then a I'll fair move way to because me. this was not good <laughs> at is, all. <laughs> is Mance Warner still doing the awful fuck Dave Meltzer gimmick? Uh, I I was hoping he wasn't. He's not. He's doing like a redneck dollar store Stone Steve Austin thing. Um, so that's good, sounds, yeah. Because I was like, I was gonna eye roll. Yeah, it, it, um, yeah, it's not great, but uh, yeah, it was. Um, there was like six spots in this match, and I think they fucked up four of them. So yeah, it doesn't bode well. So uh, not good, not good at all. Uh, Kurt Stallion and Jake Something versus Ace Romero and Marco Stunt. Uh, okay, but it was kind of exactly what you assume it would be with Marco Stunt being the small guy, Ace Romero being the fat guy, the big guy, uh, and Stallion and Jake Something be kind of being the heels and eventually getting the win there. Uh, Stunt is a guy I saw a lot this weekend. Uh, you know, he's he's fine, but I he's a guy that I'm... I'll be shocked if in like another year he's getting as many bookings as he is. I think like that bloom is going to fall off the rose pretty quickly. But uh, what do you think about uh, Marco Stunt? And what you I went on a long rant about Marco Stunt on the TV reviews. Um, the idea that he's the next great indie star. I mean, people who if were he st- is, then shut down the indies and call it a day. We're done. <laughs> Close the doors. It's over. If he's the next great indie star, people who are saying that are nuts. I mean, he's okay, and I think there's a place for Marco Stunt. He's an undercar. He's Spike Dudley. That's what he yeah. is. He's a guy. And he was, who- yeah, and he was in this match. He played his role to perfection. They tossed him around. Ace lifted him up and threw him over the top rope, exactly like you would do with Spike Dudley. That's that's yes. what he was. He was Spike Dudley in this match, which is fine. But Spike, if your company and your 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 existence depends on Spike Dudley, you're in big fucking trouble. So yeah, you're, you're never building around Spike Dudley or Marco Stunt. Now, to be fair, I don't think I think some people. That's a. I'm not saying that was an overwhelming consensus opinion that Marco Stunt was going to save the Indies, but I think that he's going to be. He could be an undercard guy who is just like Spike Dudley in that big guys toss him around. And he's a sympathetic baby face and all that, but you can't headline with Marco Stunt. He'll never get to that level. Now, right. he's and a guy it, who could get hired because of how small he is. Because when oh, you, for sure, yeah. And it works on TV as well. Because I'll tell you, at MLW, which I'll, I'll, I'll jump to here in a bit, um, him and Ace Romero uh, had a match, and it was like arguably the best match of the entire tapings. I mean, I don't think it was. There's one match that I liked a little bit more, but it was yeah. very good, and it was exactly as you expect. Ace Romero just tossing Marco Stunt all over the fucking place, and and, yeah. and you could see how it translates to like a TV. But it doesn't quite work in an indie setting uh, nearly as much because it's just kind of like, yeah, he's short and he's not that good. So, you know, it, 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 there's certain limitations to him. But, uh, yeah, and a fine performance here. But, uh, yeah, there's there's definitely, yeah, he's not the great next the next great indie star because we're in some trouble if he is. 
I uh, love Kylie how Ray. I love oh, how sorry, you ahead. saw I love how you saw both these guys in two different companies and both companies did the indie thing. One put the biggest guy with the smallest guy against each other and yeah. the other company put them in a tag team together. <laughs> exactly. It was great. <laughs> One quick question about that too. Did Jake something score the pin? Um he did. Cuz they AW seems to be pushing him hard but when's the singles matches coming? That's my I know question. they need to. They need to. Cuz Stallion's kind of a geek and and and, and Stallion's okay. Like he's fine. But Stallion would work so much better as like the second to Jake something, who's obviously like the the big guy. Like they can have matches from time to time, but yeah, I, I want something to have some some singles matches on his own too, because I think he's capable of it. He's good enough. He's got the look. He's got the the in ring work and stuff. Yeah, he, he needs to start doing it because he's a big dude and he translates too. So, Rich, I gotta tell you, I've seen Jake something in a lot of different places. I think AAW has done the best job with him, but they've gotta they've established that he's undefeated and and he's dominant in this tag team and he's no nonsense. Jake something's a guy that no one talks about who I think could be an indie star and a oh, guy yeah. who can step up. He's a big world. dude, too. He's big. Yes. He's like 6'1". He's built like a brick shit house, and he's got good work, too. He can fly. He can do power moves. Like He's definitely one of those guys that we always talk about the sound. You know, when you, you go to an indie yes. show and you hear a guy, and you're like, that guy's got it. Like, that guy, you know, he attacks them at his punches, his chops, they all feel and sound loud. He's a loud wrestler, and it's good, and it translates, and it jumps off the page, but it's just like, yeah, when's that... You know, he's been there for about, I think, what, got a year and a half now and just kind of like spinning his wheels. So it's not quite, yeah, you're not quite sure when the next step up for him is going to be because it needs, it, it should be soon. And hopefully, like, he should be annoyed that he's in this tag team with Kurt Stallion at this point, still. You know what I mean? Like, like in character, too. Like, it's, you know, I know they're buddies or whatnot, but he's so far leaps and bounds has more potential than, 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 than Stallion. And I feel like I'm burying Stallion when I'm not trying to. I'm just saying something I, I, I think could be an indie star, like you were saying. No, Stallion's fine, but I think something could really be something, no pun intended. On the indie scene, which is dying, uh, you know, a dearth of stars. I mean, I would like to see AAW take the next storyline step here with something. I would like to see some other companies um, take a chance on this guy and do some things with him because I think Jake something is very close. I think it wouldn't even take much. And the other guy I love is Myron Reed. I think he's a slightly longer term project, but I think he can be a top level indie star too. But, uh, But anyway, we continue. All right, so two more matches. I'm going to show you Kylie Ray versus Allison K. A uh, okay women's match. I think Kylie Ray is pretty solid. Allison K. I, I I know a lot of people really like her. I kind of think she stinks, and she was not good in this match. But Kylie Ray was pretty solid. So all it's in all, the, it, it was okay match. But uh, yeah, the patented Rich Crage Allison K. Burial. We cannot. She's get not good. Is she good? Is she good? Is she good? I'm not knocking you, brother. She's I'm just saying we know we're going to get the Allison K. Burial every A. W. Not good. <laughs> you know. Like, the main event. I sir. try. I really try. It's just that she's not good, you know, but people like her because she's cool on Twitter, I guess. So, uh, tag team street fight uh, Jessica Havoc and Sammy Callahan versus Brody King and Jimmy Jacobs. Sounds like my personal hell. Uh, it was actually pretty solid. I enjoyed it. Uh, all in all, it was a plunder match. There was shit going on. There was blood. There was guts. There was spit. But uh, all in all, pretty uh, pretty fun. It was uh, unique to be in the crowd for it because you never knew what the hell was going to happen. And there was a lot of eyes to kind of keep track of or a lot of humans and bodies flying all over the place. But uh, all in all, pretty good. Uh, stiff match. I think Havoc played her role pretty well in it as well. Callahan took some big bumps and, and King and Jacobs. Uh, both did a pretty good job too so I think uh, really fun I, I enjoyed it way more than I anticipated when I saw the names on the card and went oh my god I don't like anybody in this match but it ended up actually being pretty solid so um, definitely check it out if you, if you get a chance to watch this show but uh, all in all I like the first half of the show a lot more than I like the second half but uh, I, you know thumbs up show you know for the most part so Rich also attended MLW and we're running it up against the clock so I've got a couple key questions for you with the MLW and I know there's a topic on that that you want to talk about a little bit which was the makeup of the crowd they drew an yes. excellent crowd by the way they did um, oh yeah great crowd 
Question number one. You've now seen L.A. Park live. Did he pop the way I said that he pops live? He didn't. I'll be honest. He just didn't. I don't know. It, it, he was good live. It was an experience to go live. But I – and maybe I built it up in my head a little bit too much. He didn't – it didn't – it wasn't as big of a deal as I thought it was going to be. It wasn't – this raucous like thing it wasn't like this charisma i i don't know i just i don't know if he had an off night i don't know if it, what it what it quite was it just didn't work and what i thought was most surprising as well i go i go to the crowd and as you said it, they, they drew an incredible crowd uh we'll talk about a bit the kind of the dynamics of the crowd a lot of the crowd was was, was you know latino a lot of the crowd so i assumed that park was like their god penta and phoenix came out to a reaction five times the amount that la park got those dudes were the most over guys on the entire show. And I was like, oh, okay, interesting. And then Park came out and I said, oh, man, if that's the reaction those two guys got, this Park reaction is going to be incredible. And it wasn't. It was good. But, like, I think Roosh had a bigger crowd reaction. I think Puma King even at times had a bigger crowd reaction. So that surprised me more than anything. And, again, this was like, they're a long show. But I, I can't make that excuse because Penta and Phoenix came out to just a raucous crowd, whereas LA Park just quite didn't quite. And I, I don't know. He just didn't jump off the page as much as I had sort of anticipated him doing. So, All right, well, then let me uh, ask you this. Did yeah. did Roosh pop? Roosh did. Roosh popped. He was a guy that, you know, I, I, I've i seen him on, you know, tag leagues. I've seen him in stuff and were, you know, noted Roosh <laughs> disliker uh, shows or whatever. He popped, man. He The crowd was fucking hot for him. Most of the people in the crowd jumped. The second he came out, people rushed to the barricades and they were wearing masks. They were in LIJ shirts and all that sort of stuff. So it was really cool to see that. And man, everything that he did, he was a god. He could he he didn't have to do anything in that match, and people were reacting to it. But he ended up actually doing some pretty fun stuff throughout it. So no, he definitely popped, and and I came away much more impressed with Roosh than I had ever come in uh, prior. So that was kind of interesting. That Park sort of, I, I I didn't quite get that same feeling with him, but Roosh, I got it. I was like, oh, this is why this guy's a megastar. Oh, this is why so many people love him. So he definitely jumped off the page for me. All right, so there you have Roosh's charisma just popped. He came off like a megastar. L.A. Park for Rich did not. So interesting there. I've never seen Bruce live, so I can't comment on that one. L.A. Park, to me, the time I saw him, uh, looked like the biggest fucking deal in the world. Interesting that different perspectives, different shows. Now, number yeah, see, two, how, see how it translates on the TV when it comes out. See if you have the same sort well, of Well, I've seen him on MLW yeah. TV, and, and, and I told you, it's like he, he, cons- he like ate Pentagon's charisma like a larger sun and a smaller sun. On TV. Now, you're saying it was the opposite live where Pentagon was the star and L.A. Park was didn't quite uh, feel the same to you. So, yeah, and those guys work. The, the Lucha Brothers work a ton in Chicago as well. I mean, they're doing stuff not only in AEW, but also in like little Lucha oh, yeah, shows and stuff. Throughout. So, like, they're the hometown guys. So, I think the crowd definitely saw them as that as well. Which but not I, just I, crowd I reaction, just, just aura as well. You're saying that L.A. Park, you didn't get the set i didn't get it yeah I, I didn't quite get it no and i was i was yeah i was surprised i was really surprised yeah. i was anticipating really getting it and i could not wait till it came out and then we came out and and you know the match he had was really good it was probably probably my favorite match of the entire tape because i don't want to give any results because that's like five weeks of mlw tv that yeah, I we're, not gonna do that. we're not going to do that yeah i'm not going to do that because yeah that, that that would suck for the next two months for me to spoil everything that they're going to do but uh no they had what probably my maybe my second favorite match of the entire tapings but really really good stuff from those guys so uh, it was a weekend to watch Phoenix as well. I, I was realizing as I watched, and we'll talk about it here in a bit, as well, the Omega Phoenix match that he had in NEW in between these two matches that I saw. And I was like, this fucking guy, I saw him have a great match in Chicago, fly to fucking Poughkeepsie, New York, have a great match, and then come back to fucking Chicago and have a great match. Like, what a what a monster Phoenix has been this year. I mean, he does not get enough credit. Phoenix and Pentagon get enough credit for how well they're doing all across the entire country in the world and just working a ton of different promotions too but uh yeah really good stuff from them uh on this taping 
So the crowd makeup, quickly on that. Yeah, so it was interesting. So, uh, of course, if you've noticed from, and we talked about it last week when I was kind of previewing the show a little bit, very heavy in Lucha influence. You have Puma King, you have Roosh, you have L.A. Park, you have the Lucha Brothers kind of in the main event. Uh, even a guy like a Sammy Guevara as well that people knew from, from uh, you know, AAA and whatnot. Um, the crowd dynamics were very strange. So I walk in and it was definitely your normal kind of Chicago indie crowd. There was a few of the guys that I recognize all over the place and those sort of dudes and, and whatnot. And then as the crowd started kind of filing in, the bleachers started filling up and filling up and filling up and filling up. And I realized, oh, shit, they weren't lying about this thing is sold out. It was sold out. There wasn't a seat to be had in this entire arena. As it sort of filled out, it was the makeup was definitely like 60, 40, maybe even 70, 30 of like Latino families, like women, children, you know, entire families there, which was unique because you don't get that at a normal, you know, AEW show, isn't that? You're going to get a few families here and there, but for the most part, it's what I said, the Chicago area indie fans or whatever, the people that I kind of see at every single show. So that made an interesting dynamic. And and as the show went on, like, you know, Roosh came out and you heard them. They, they were very vocal in that. The interesting thing about it is your indie fans were very into just about everything. Your indie fans, like, you know, they were into just about everybody. They were into Roosh just as much as they were into PCO and Brody King or whatever. But the, the families, the ones that came, like, the, the, you know, the 70 or 60, whatever percent, they didn't know any of the local indie guys. They didn't give a shit about PCO. They did not care about Brody King. They didn't give a shit about a low-key Shane Strickland. That low-key Shane Strickland match you'll get to on the tapings, crickets. They didn't care about those. Then Lucha Brothers comes out, and they, they're going nuts. Puma King go, has a match with MJF. They go nuts. You know, the Lucha Brothers, go, they go nuts. Like L.A. Park, uh, even even his son, they go nuts for. So it was a very interesting crowd dynamic. And and what I found kind of interesting about it is we were all kind of talking about it there in, in the press row as well. It's like, 